Let's talk about the state of cinema in 2023. DC, Marvel, Star Wars, Disney, everything with special guest, Soups. What's up, guys? Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the state of movies with a very special guest. You know him. Soups. <laughs> Welcome to the show. What's hey, up, man. guys? Thank you guys for having me. Of yeah. course. He we... was just outside, so we're like, hey, man, you want to come on the show? Yeah. <laughs> you saw yeah. walking the streets. <laughs> just patrolling my streets. You yeah. got to keep, keep people safe. But oh. we've we've uh, been running into you at events and screenings for the past couple of years. You're a great influencer for film on TikTok. I think you have great takes. And, and huge YouTube following. And Instagram. Yeah, and huge following on <laughs> Don't YouTube. Don't put them in a box yet. <laughs> <laughs> and Twitter. But we were like, we got to get him on the show. And a lot of people who listen to us really love you. So we were like, we got to get him on. So thanks for coming on. Well, thank you guys for having me. And thank you for everyone who's tuning in and, and watching. I feel like this is long overdue, boys. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, We've been sure. talking about it for a long time. But how about, how did you get your start? Was it like TikTok that popped you off? Were you already doing content on YouTube? Or what, like, what happened? How did, how did it happen for you? So I started my content creation journey in between kind of like that really hype year between Infinity War and the build up to Endgame. So that for me was like kind of like the pinnacle of me being a fan of like movies, superheroes, all of it. And at that point in time, I was also 16. So I hit I had like a midlife crisis when I was like 15. <laughs> Damn. And I was like, dude, what do I want to do with my life? Like, how is AP biology going to make me happy? In what is the years? Pythagorean theory going to do for me? Exactly. Exactly. So like I was also at, at simultaneously at this point in my life where I was like trying to figure out what I want to do, what's going to make me happy. So I, I figured like the one thing I think about every single day, the one thing that lights me up more than anything is movies, film, shows, superheroes, all of it. So then at that point in time, you know, I came out of watching Venom with Tom Hardy. The first one, okay. The first one all with right. Tom Hardy. Venom. Venom. Dude. I am phenomenal. <laughs> that, that's self-pop. Self yeah, yeah. I have to. Dude, I came out of that movie and I just had thoughts. Not a fan of it. Not a big fan of it. I thought it was fun, but I just had thoughts. And at that point in time, I was also like pondering on like how I should start a YouTube channel. How how can I turn my love for film and superheroes and shows into a reality? So I literally came home. I stacked up my iPhone 6 on a couple of books. I pressed the cord, could not form a sentence to save my life, <laughs> stuttering all over, over the place. The editing was the most garbage editing you probably will ever see in a YouTube video ever. Mm. Um... But yeah, over after that, it was kind of just like breaking ice. And mm -hmm. then I loved it because like, again, I was just voicing all of the thoughts that I had on a daily basis. Yeah, and just putting put, yourself out there. Putting yourself yeah, out there, yeah. wearing your heart on your sleeve, mm -hmm. like, you know, speaking your truth. Um, so I started doing that. And, and, you know, for two years, I was grinding on YouTube. I also had two jobs and I was full time in high school. Mm -hmm. um, so literally, it was just like a ton of super early mornings, late nights. But it like man like just doing this like it makes me feel alive like i don't know if you guys feel that same sense of like i i don't want to be anywhere else in the world than right here talking about what we love oh so. yeah it's it's a crazy mm -hmm. thing because james and i we've just built this business just like you where we just talk about the thing we love most in the world and that's cinema and great television and we started the same way just like we just started making episodes nobody was listening to it 
Mom was listening. Mom, mom was listening. <laughs> Thanks, Janice. And then it just slowly, slowly started growing an audience, and it took a long time. But then we got there. For us, TikTok is really what the virality on TikTok is what got people to be like, oh, follow us on YouTube, follow us on Spotify, find us on Apple Podcasts. And that really grew the show. Was it TikTok or was it YouTube was the big one? Or did you have like a big video? Because for us, we had a couple viral hits on TikTok and then it was just basically steamrolling from there. Yeah, but TikTok for us was always the plan because yeah. I had been using yeah. it for like sketch comedy for a couple of years on my own before He's we started. He's wicked funny. Yeah, sometimes before the podcast. <laughs> And then I, I, we had a plan, like, let's do the movie podcast. But I was like, and then we're going to hit TikTok hard. And Anthony's like, TikTok? Like the kids app? But like, people, <laughs> I, I, thought I remember seeing dancing. you on TikTok in like 2018, 2019. Yeah. And that was before we started the show. And I'm like, the people are on here talking about movies. We can uh -huh. do it. It can work. Mm -hmm. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, yeah. TikTok was the thing that really blew me up because like I kind of saw a lot of people have that same mentality towards TikTok where they're like, oh, it's just the stupid kids dancing app with kids twer twerking and lip syncing music. That's, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I saw everyone with that mentality. And then like I actually downloaded TikTok and like obviously that's that was the entire For You page. It was singing and that's dancing. That's how it started. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And but then I was like, dude, can we just like post whatever on this? Like, why is there no one talking about movies? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I, this was during the pandemic, mm -hmm. I believe. No, it was actually 2019, 2019, yeah, right before there. it, right before yeah, it. Yeah. 2019. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. This brings back so many memories. So yeah, 2019, that's where I hopped on the platform and I saw no one talking about movies, superheroes, any of that stuff. So I started talking about it and putting myself out there. And that's where I really started to like blow up and, mm -hmm. You know, now I'm at 2.9 mil followers. Damn. Hopefully. Can we get a couple of them? Yeah. <laughs> Bro, if you're watching this and you follow me, follow these guys and subscribe to the uh, damn podcast. Uh, thanks, right let's now. go. Thanks, it's Kyle. crazy because I remember seeing you on TikTok back then. And I remember Juju, Straw Hat Goofy. Yeah. We became friends with Juju when he was at like 35,000 followers on TikTok. And like, we were like, thought it was the coolest thing. And we all thought we were like, our following's so big. And I remember he was up to like 60,000. And for a while, us and Juju were like kind of neck and neck until he just skyrocketed. Like with a lot of those Pixar videos, just like blew him the fuck mm. up. And he's just so popular Dude. now. But I remember like, Every time I talk to him, I'm like, bro, remember when we had like 60,000 followers on TikTok following each other? It's just crazy how like so many of us have built careers out of, yeah, you know, just content creation from film, but also TikTok, how that was such a key for marketing and creation. But mm -hmm. obviously we branched onto other platforms, which is why if TikTok gets yeah. banned, we'll be okay. Like we've for all sure. been smart and like managed to build a business outside of just using that for marketing for the most part. But man, it's, it's really incredible how far we've all come. I doubt that it's going to get banned because it's so ingrained in uh, our economy now yeah. and in entertainment, 150 million people just in this country are using it on a daily basis. So it's too big, I think, to, to dismantle. 
maybe they'll get American buyers to take over the con- the company. But from what I've seen from the congressional hearings, it's just been kind of like a joke. And the Congress people don't really understand social media or the app from what I could tell. So do you need Wi-Fi to use it? <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean it connects to your Wi-Fi? That's weird, Dude. isn't it? <laughs> like they don't understand. Yeah. And also, I mean, Verizon, and they've been selling your information to, to every country since you've had cell phones. It's like Apple selling it all, mm-hmm. Facebook selling it all. So what I think is just Silicon Valley is going after TikTok because it's such a valuable com- commodity. Yeah. I don't think that TikTok can go down. So I think that we're going to be safe. There might be some changes in management, maybe. But I do think that it's – I'm not worried about it going down even because even like you just said, even though we have like uh, an umbrella of other outlets for making revenue, mm-hmm. I'm not – I don't – I actually don't even think TikTok will go down. So I think we're good. We'll I think see, it's we'll too see. valuable. It's yeah, too, dude, it's too, too many valuable. people on it. Yeah, especially because we get a lot of our work with studios. I'm sure with you from TikTok. Like, oh, they, we reached out to you. We found your TikTok. And yeah, a lot of them don't even know we have a podcast. Yeah, but like, it's that, ingrained itself into the economy in such a profound way. Yeah, you can't get rid every of it. corporation's yeah. using it. And mm-hmm. even to our world, like the way TikTok ingrained itself into like Hollywood mm-hmm. and like the film community, entertainment, yeah, post pandemic. Yeah. Like now you see all like it's literally how like a lot of us we're able to turn this into a living because like mm-hmm. you know now a lot of st- studios they go to content creators because if you have a content creator that you can pay for you know a small amount of money but they'll post a tiktok get- that gets millions of views a studio would rather do that than pay for a billboard on you know in a, on a or a commercial pay- yeah or a commercial it would be, it would be no a waste see. of money on a commercial nowadays you're getting more bang for your buck on on tiktok for sure as a, as a marketing team so mm-hmm. it, we've definitely seen that and we get jobs every once in a while it's really cool because I feel like it used to just go to be maybe journalists were like the film influencers, newspaper journalists and people writing articles for like magazines, major magazines like Time, Rolling Stone, New Yorker. Those were the old influential people of the film community. But now it's people like us where it's all digital. It's all video based. And no one's really, clicking on those. Yeah, yeah websites exactly. Anymore. They're begging you for subscribe. <laughs> please give us ninety nine cents a month. <laughs> we, well, actually, we do that too on Patreon, but still, we're less, we're we're less cooler. Desperate. We're, we're cooler. We're less Look. desperate. New York Times. You go on the pa- the web page, they pop up with the ad like you gotta subscribe if you want to read this article. It's like yeah. that's bullshit. Yeah. At least you can still listen to our entire episode for free. One thousand percent. And you guys are fans. Like I feel like, and that's what has grown our community so much is like. It, like we all come from a genuine place. We're all just normal people who literally before when I got here, like we were talking about movies as soon as I walked in the door and we weren't yeah. even on camera recording anything. Yeah, I, I was like, guys, let's save this for the goddamn show. Let's turn the cameras on. They tried to have two podcasts in the kitchen. I'm like, come on, guys, what are we doing here? So I've yeah. never been a big fan before the Internet really hit big. I used to because we were always were obsessed with films. So when films would be coming out or whatever, I would be on IMDb. I would be on Rotten Tomatoes. This is when. Before anyone had an iPhone, this is before social media. That's how old we are. Just FYI, watching YouTube of interviews <laughs> yeah. and stuff. But I would, I would read most of the major magazines and newspapers reviews of films, and I found the thing is that what's different is ba- we're basically doing kind of the same thing, but for for example, for for like a journal, a film journalist to get a job for like the New Yorker, they had uh, have probably a background of studying film in college, probably a lot of experience. But I also saw that I, I always felt like they had an elitist attitude when they when they were critical of films or analyzed films, and it was it was difficult to relate to it. They were oftentimes so judgmental and too nitpicky, and it didn't really feel like this is just like a normal person enjoying a film. And then when we started a podcast, the main motivation was let's just make it feel like we're just a couple of guys having a conversation about a movie we really liked. And 
we, I never really got that from reading those critics back in the day. And I think that's why people like us have been able to find a big audience because people want to hear like, like in every person's opinion of a film, not yeah. like some super smart, like I study, I'm a master's degree. I'm going to like over hyper analyze a comic book movie using the Thor, the source.com for the biggest, entire the article. biggest words they can find. Yeah. So I think it, we, what we do is What's more a synonym related? for very good. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Uber good. <laughs> so I think what we do, it's, it's more relatable for the average person mm -hmm. and people, the average audience, like I feel like they can relate to us more than they could re have related to the old film critics in the back in the day. For sure. I mean, and, and the job of a lot of those older critics was, to find the flaws in a movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas like people like us, like we're trying to watch movies to enjoy them. Oh yeah. To love them. Yeah. We're not coming from a place of like, oh, you know, we have to, I don't know, cr criticize a movie for the New York Times or yeah, something like exactly. that. Exactly. It's not our job. Like our job is to just watch movies and talk about it. And Dude, if yeah. we have like critiques about it, genuine critiques, that's okay. Yeah. If we, ha if we don't, then that's also okay. Like we're not, <laughs> we don't work for anyone, bro. We work for exactly. ourselves yeah. and yeah, we're yeah. just like, yeah, we, we work can say whatever the, we, we want. work for the fans. Exactly, <laughs> and like that's one of the reasons why we started the podcast is we won't say what podcast it was, but we listened to this Gladiator review, and Gladiator is one of our Dude, favorite films of all time. All time goats. Got the Maximus helmet right, right here. There. Like we are obsessed with that film, and it's such an incredible movie, and it's a masterpiece. And we listened to this episode of this really popular podcast, tearing it apart. These people have never been on a set before, never made a movie, and they're acting like they're better than Ridley Scott and better than Russell Crowe in this magical film that they could never make. They're just tearing it apart. And we're like, fuck these guys. <laughs> I literally walked in your room and was like, fuck them. We could do our own podcast. Yeah. That was like the final straw. We're like, we're doing it mm -hmm. finally. Yeah. And so we're taking a piece of the pie of, the, yeah. of content. And so that was one of the main motivators of people being too nitpicky of films, too critical of films, mm -hmm. without understanding or appreciating the process of what goes into making a film, how hard it is to make a film, sure. all the people that work on it. Of course, like we just did our John Wick review. We were glowing about it, but we had a few things to say. Cons, we always talk about cons we have, but for the most part, 95% of what we say is always praising a film, even if we didn't love it. Mm -hmm. Dude, on my letterbox, it's the majority of my ratings are five-star ratings and four and a half star, just because I love movies. And I, <laughs> I don't know, too, are, yeah. are you using letterbox? Um, I downloaded letterbox, dude, and I was on it for like two days. <laughs> and then... Dude, I watch a movie every day. So yeah, same. It's just hard. It's, for, it's yeah. hard for me to like log it and then type out like a review same. every single yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, do I have to really log it? <laughs> yeah. So now I took I took over the letterbox. He's yeah. like, you hit the letterbox. I do the Twitter. He does Twitter. I do the Twitter. He does Twitter. But letterbox, I it's from what I've seen, people can be kind of just like a little too judgmental and like mm -hmm. harsh in their ratings and like only save five stars for like certain movies. But I'm just like five star, five star, four and a half, four and a half. Because I love movies. But you also watch yeah. great movies a lot. That's true. Mm -hmm. I have good taste. <laughs> Oh yeah, you got. I mean, you, you got to put me on, bro. I watch a lot. Well, so I'm. I'm not like bragging, but I. I, people make I watch a lot of movies. People no make fun of me. I watch a lot of movies that no one else watches. I watch a lot of inter international films, and I watch a lot of very old films, mm -hmm. like from old films from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, from all over the world. And there's a great app if you want to get into it called Criterion Channel, and they are like the streaming app distributor for all the films that Netflix, Amazon, and HBO Max are like, we're not going to fucking put these on the app. No the Criterion gonna... Collection. Yeah, so Criterion Collection is fantastic. They have films from all around the world from every decade, from filmmakers you maybe have heard of but haven't been able to see their films on Netflix or whatever. And so if you want to get into more obscure films but like very artistic films, Criterion Channel is the place to do it. Everyone listening, Criterion. I talk about it all the time. Yeah, I like Letterboxd. I think it's yeah. an awesome idea and it's a great social media app for people to it's learn great more, more about yeah. movies mm -hmm. and to like kind of join a community and discover films they never yeah. heard of or they might find interesting. But I think there are there is a con to Letterboxd where I think there's a massive recency bias where 
I would say 90% of the reviews and ratings on Letterboxd are probably movies only made past 2000, 2005. It's, there aren't really a lot of, or a large percentage of reviews of movies in the 20th century. So that's one con to Letterboxd. It's really only a, a lot of the just recent movies yeah, get reviewed. You're right, because I'll look at movies I love or like even, even famous older films from like the 60s or 70s or 80s that most audiences know about. And they'll have like 10,000 reviews or like 15,000 reviews in total. And then like a new release that comes out and it's been out for a week or to have like 100,000 reviews already. So from what I've seen from Letterboxd, I would say if I was going to guess the age demographic of Letterboxd, I would say it's 13 to 30 is probably probably, yeah. probably, the, probably the, yeah. the main age. And you can what I can tell from that is that most people in these younger generations aren't don't seem to be too interested in older films or even classic films like mm -hmm. um so i would say that it's definitely kind of worrying for me is like are older films gonna die in the future i don't think that's no. necessarily the case i think it's just the case that like the younger generations had like social media is kind of like our part of it's part of our way of life mm -hmm. so like now every single time when we go into a movie like before First of all, before the movie, we're on TikTok and the movie's all over TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Afterwards, I mean, us as content creators, it's like we're going to make content about that film, mm -hmm. give our thoughts about it. Um, even for people that don't do content creation or don't share their thoughts online, like seeing the reactions on Twitter, seeing what people are saying, like the film community has like come together so much with social media. So that's why I think you see like a lot of those older films because like those movie goers didn't have social media. Exactly, yeah. So it was just kind of word of mouth, talking to your friends and that's mm -hmm. it. But for us, it's like, a, all right. And this this kind of like adds to like the whole thing about Letterboxd where it's like, for me, like <laughs> I'm just, I got to get into the routine of like watching a movie and then, you know. Logging it, write it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk, yeah. like talking about it on that on that platform. Mm -hmm. But like, not, that's like routine for a lot of people now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I see a lot of people like automatically they watch a movie and, like George, for example, uh, movies and stuff. Fourteen, he's movies amazing. 14. He's got twenty five thousand Letterbox followers, dude. Yeah, he's yeah. got a ton. He's got he a like ton. he like logs like pretty much every damn day. Yeah. Like I'm like wow, but that's a part of his routine. And I yeah. think as we continue to like move forward in like this digital age, mm -hmm. and as I guess this world continues to adapt yeah. to technology, yeah, that'll become a lot more a part of like people's routines and stuff. It's interesting because it's a, you had a good point where it's like right now. The open, there's such an open dialogue for film and yeah. TV where it, it's so immediate and it spreads everywhere. Like everybody will be having the same conversation about the same film. Whereas before the internet, it was all word of mouth. It was like, oh, you get to see this film, you get to see that, or mm -hmm. a great a glowing article in a newspaper. And that's what got people excited about a film. So word of mouth was the old like marketer for films. And that's totally changed where word of mouth has just turned into the digital conversation where it's just immediate and you can reach you can reach you post a video you reach 10 million people around the world talking about a movie which is insane to the <laughs> the, the mind of someone from the 70s if they heard that they'd be like what the hell like <laughs> he's gonna make a video in 30 seconds and what's reach, a video <laughs> reach 10 million people what well it's, it's still crazy. word of mouth is still yeah. applies today mm -hmm. i think word of mouth is the best advertiser social media comes into play but oh yeah a movie like get out making what 300 million dollars mm -hmm. on a three million dollar budget or parasite making a huge box office everything everywhere. America. Everything yeah. everywhere so these were all movies that like your friends would be like, you got to see this. So word of mouth is still there, yeah. but it's just infused in social media. Yeah. What's your favorite app to use? My favorite app to use? 
That's a tough question because I feel like I use every app to express yeah. myself in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like good with, with with TikTok, like when I come when it comes to creating content on TikTok, it's kind of just like straight to the point. Yeah. Like no fluff. But there's also a part of me that loves this setting, that loves the podcast format, loves YouTube, where yeah. I kind of can kind of just ramble mm -hmm. and just talk for as long as I want to. Whereas on TikTok, it's kind of like you kind of just get gotta get straight to the point. Exactly. Yeah. Um so yeah, I would say TikTok and YouTube. Both nice. for sure. Yeah. You're was, huge yeah. on Twitter though too. Yeah. You have a huge following on Twitter Dude. and Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't even need Letterbox. <laughs> Letterbox, <laughs> Letterbox needs you. <laughs> it's honestly commendable because it's a lot for two of us to do that. All of that, all the apps. It's always like there's another app to do, and then we try our best to mm -hmm. communicate with everyone who listens to us or interacts with us. And so it's it's a big workload. You kind of like never off the clock in yeah. a way, and so you're always working on that for sure. And it's a lot for two people to handle. So kudos to you for doing that on your own that's a ton of time spent on social yeah, media you. dealing with that and trying to find a balance between you know you're producing stuff communicating on social media and then probably time for your own sanity on your own time mm -hmm. they're so, also different yeah. the way you approach them for us for instagram for example it was basically clips from the show as well as a graphic of like today's episode we'll post like a graphic like hey go check it out mm -hmm. toss the links in the story and then tiktok obviously clips from the show as well as some fun facts here and there youtube full episode spotify apple full episodes but then twitter is one where like every day i have to get on there i'm like all right think of something cool and witty <laughs> something that could like get like a good amount of likes and retweets mm -hmm. or just playing off something you see on twitter and like doing a quote retweet so twitter is like its own animal where you have to like really think about it and like try to yeah. come across as like you know what you're talking about not and like trying to also be unique in your opinion of what you're about to say but also working off what you see on the feed that day hey mm -hmm. you're a cool guy so i'm sure people like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey the, the twitter fan base is growing it's getting, we're it. almost at 2000 bro nice. hell yeah nice, at two, dude. we nice. didn't have it until last year mm -hmm. i was always like i don't want to be on twitter because it's so toxic but then dude, yeah. you get over it but i mean mm -hmm. we have toxic fans and not fans but toxic people everywhere yeah, yeah. i think tiktok is the it. most the meanest people are probably on Instagram in terms of when it comes to comments. They can be ruthless in the Instagram comments. Yeah, I don't they know what it is about ruthless. Instagram, but they're, yeah. they're so They'll, mean. I actually had to private the comments. I had to turn commenting off a video yesterday. Really? Wow, yeah, really? it was just like, they call me an idiot and a dumbass over and over again. <laughs> well, you're going to turn me up because I said every day to you. <laughs> no, not <laughs> you. Kidding, I mean, Yo, not nah, Twitter. <laughs> Dude, Twitter's a whole different beast. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. Like, I've gotten the worst on TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> oh, uh, YouTube. Twitter is a whole different animal. Yeah. You develop a thick skin because it used to bother us, like bad yeah. comments. And it used to be you would get in like an argument with someone and in like a back and forth in the comments. And they would kind of like mess up your whole day. But then you realize it's <laughs> just some fucking loser in a basement. Like, who are they? Yeah. Who are they? They're just mad at the, they're mad at their life and they're just taking it out on me. Like, it's not important. So now we just laugh it off. Yeah. Um, if it's really bad, we'll just delete it without even replying. Mm -hmm. Probably block the person if they say something pretty nasty or very, very disrespectful. Um, but we never get into back and forths anymore. Yeah. And we don't even we don't engage anymore. And now it doesn't even bother us. We laugh at it now. We'll we'll screenshot it and send it to each other. But look at what this guy said. <laughs> yeah, he, he's <laughs> not the first. You know, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, and I also feel like for content creators in general, I feel like it's it's very important for us to like. Uh, I mean, there's the phrase like touch grass, mm -hmm. <laughs> like keep ourselves grounded in the real world oh, yeah. because like social media bec can become such a bubble Yeah, where you build such a great community and, and like for the most part, it's like awesome. It's mm -hmm. like great to like interact with other passionate people online. But like then again, you also have the trolls, like people that are try just trying to be toxic and tear you down for literally no reason. Um, and yeah, that can kind of become like a whole bubble and really like mess with you. But again, you just kind of got to keep yourself grounded. 
go touch grass, go experience. get some sunlight. Yeah, so, get some sunlight. It, it take can, a breath. It can mess with your mental health. I've definitely been through the ringer and had my ups and downs with uh, heavy use of social media mm -hmm. and uh, the mental health impact it can have, especially the negativity. But then I think we've found a really good balance over the past year. We've found a good routine, and I try my best to use like if I'm gonna go on TikTok. To post something, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna do my best not to scroll and mm -hmm. not try not to like just scroll through the app or what have you. So I'm, I've definitely reduced my screen time and try to even not have my phone on me when I go for a walk or whatever. But yeah, it's tough. It's yeah. tough. <laughs> it is tough because no, you try to get off TikTok get, as often as you possible. You can get sucked yeah. in because mm -hmm. like you'll be like, oh, that's a really nice comment. People, you read a bunch of really sweet comments which we never like show, but like, oh, that's really cool. Thanks. You like a comment, like one, reply one. Then it's like you fucking suck. And the next comment, it's like, damn, I got roped in. They got me. I thought it was gonna be all sweet, nice things. Yeah. And then this guy thinks I'm an asshole because the thing is, we we have like nine nine percent of our content is pretty accurate in terms mm -hmm. of the information we give. Sometimes times we make mistakes but like we'll have like a two-hour episode almost everything we say was accurate and factual then like maybe one little mess up yeah. then people are like you fucking suck you idiot how don't you know that <laughs> one star apple review it's like relax dude it's a two-hour episode and we're improvised you said one little thing wrong yeah. one little thing well the thing with the internet is people demand perfection mm -hmm. that's what it is they you demand be perfection and anything less than that they're gonna criticize you for it meanwhile Which... they burn toast in real life <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly dude. Oh yeah you, you gotta be perfect but again none of us are perfect we're all gonna exactly. mess up but yeah. I mean, it's awesome that you guys have each other. Like, do you guys keep each other? I'm sure you guys keep each other, hold each other down, right? Hey, yeah, I hold I his have hand you. every night. <laughs> <laughs> As I cry myself to sleep, yeah. he, he shh in my ear. No, goes, I do go wheel hunting. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> not you, Sean. Not, not you, Sean. Not no, you, Sean. It's, it's not your fault. Don't fucking do this fault. to me. <laughs> I love that movie. I love that movie. Dude, I just met Matt Damon two days ago. No way! I'm at air. This hand. This hand. Oh, man. Were, yeah, you, at touch the, it. were you at the air premiere? Yeah. How, how did you see the film? Or uh, yeah, I saw dudes. I saw the movie twice. Yeah, that movie is fantastic. I'm sure. Wait. I'm sure you can't say anything because of embargo. But like general impression, just real quick, was it as good as the hype saying? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was honestly better this even the second time I watched it. Fuck yeah. Um. Yeah. The the movie is, I mean, the movie is literally just conversations in mm -hmm. different office rooms. But it's so compelling. It really gets you hooked in. Matt Damon and Viola Davis. This felt like light work for them, uh -huh. but it's like. It's them at their best. It's yeah. them doing what they do. Um, so yeah, but the entire cast, like I, I don't remember the last time Jason I saw Jason Bateman in like a big movie like this, but I've missed yeah. him. He's yeah. been doing Ozark for a while. Yeah, he's yeah. been doing yeah. Ozark and directing Ozark. He's so been producing up, that too. Yeah, all of his time with Ozark. Um and also Chris Messina is a really good actor and Dude. he plays one of the agents as well. Chris Tucker's in that. The cast mm -hmm. is incredible. I've heard nothing but incredible things from it. Ben Affleck is such a great director. And you just said the other day, people forget that he made the town. He made Gone Baby Gone. You know, he's a he made, he made Argo, Argo. Fuck yourself. Argo. He best won best winning. picture. He won best yeah. picture. He's a terrific director. Awesome. And I love the story. Love the idea. Because Air Jordan, the Air Jordans were such a pop culture phenomenon, mm -hmm. and they have become probably the most, I would say, most purchased shoe in the world's history. Yeah. Probably, oh, fuck yeah, dude. dude yeah. Such an impact <laughs> on the world to make a story about that. I'm like, how does that not been done before? Maybe Steve Madden. Steve Madden. <laughs> so hot. She's so hot. <laughs> Steve. Steve. But I can't, my, I can't wait. This is my ticket to the fucking yeah. chocolate factory. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta, gotta be dancing well. with the Oompa <laughs> We gotta do well. You shove his stuff down their throats all day. <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> 
God, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying about Steve Madden? I mean, <laughs> Jordan's most sold shoe of all time. Yes, yeah. it's the most, it, I mean, everybody's bought in a pair of Jordans at one time in their life. Yeah. I mean, every, yeah. at least one pair. I got those T-Mac 2s when I was 12, Oh, though. Tracy McGrady. Had a, <laughs> Tracy McGrady had a great set of shoes. He had a few. I had T-Mac 3s. They were great. <laughs> they were good. But they weren't Air Jordans. But yeah, people they were the, the, the cheaper version. Yeah. Because <laughs> I keep seeing on Twitter, like, people are like, oh, my God, Air is so good. I'm just like, yeah, it's fucking a Ben Affleck movie. Yeah. Yeah. Where have you been this yeah. century? You forgot. Like, I know it's been, Live By Night came out in 2016, mm-hmm. not well received by critics or audiences, but then what Argo was 2012, 2013, yeah, something like, yeah, it was around so, then. So it's been yeah. a while because he's been doing Batman and so many other stuff, so much other stuff. Mm-hmm. But man, people forgot how great of a storyteller that guy is, and he knows what the hell he's doing. He's like one of the best. Uh, actor, writer, directors of all time, you could argue, especially after this, because I mean, this might be an awards contender. It looks like an awards contender. It looks like it would def- it could definitely get some nominations. Viola is probably the best actor working today, and Affleck's just a very talented guy with the camera. He understands. He's an actor's director too. He mm-hmm. al- always pulls great performances out, even in the town. Uh, Jeremy Renner got nominated for best supporting actor in that. Um, he's just terrific. Casey and Gone Casey, Baby Gone yeah, is Affleck's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Yeah. Michelle Monaghan too. So I can't wait. I just love anything he does. And I'm glad. I loved him as Batman and I and I enjoyed seeing him. But I, you could tell it was restricting him from his behind the camera projects, mm-hmm. something like this. So I'm glad that he has more free time to be able to be an actual storyteller again. No, 1000%. Yeah. And you can, you can tell that this is coming from a creative who isn't just a director, but he's an actor. Mm-hmm. So like, in a lot of the scenes, like you can tell that a lot of the scenes, it's just like improv between both fantastic yeah. actors going back and forth. I read this really cool thing about it. Um, so there's a lot of phone conversations from what I've heard. A lot so, of phone conversations. So the yeah. way they filmed it, which is not how anyone ever films phone conversations in film. They always just do one camera for an actor, film them, all their setups, and then do the next actor. Even Probably weeks apart sometimes mm-hmm. for the same phone conversation. But what they do with this was they built a huge set for the offices. And they had Chris Messina and Matt Damon on the phone performing the scene simultaneously, filming them both simultaneously with three camera setups. So they captured it all live with just the same takes over the phone, just down the hall from each other. And thats I don't think that's ever really been done like that on film before. I feel like that's how I would want to do it yeah. as a director. Yeah. You know, studios yeah. probably like, oh, we don't have time, plus scheduling with actors and, and stuff like cam- that. The six cameras is a lot of cameras. But I mean, and obviously they yeah. probably have the other actor maybe doing voice or you have a stand-in on the other line if they're even talking to somebody on the phone or just off It would just be like an, a PA holding the script talking Pretty with much. the actor. I'm sure they'd have an actor. <laughs> it's, a, it's a movie. It's not like they just had some, hey, some guys working, working the, the food truck outside. Hey, you want you want to read with Matt Damon? Yeah. <laughs> it's like for sure an actor. They're just not in the movie. This fucking guy. Well, sometimes the director does it. Sometimes I know. Yeah, the director yeah. does yeah, it. Yeah, but the director's not a PA. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. It's probably the line producer. Yeah, anyone can, no, no, okay, anyone sorry. can do it. Sorry, it's, it's probably most most time the line producer. How about I think it's probably an actor. <laughs> okay, it's probably the, an actor. It's probably an actor that's not in the movie, but still it's not the same thing as the actual real performer who's playing the character they're talking to, but yeah. to have the real conversation on the phone. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited to see that movie this year. It felt like I was watching an all-time classic. It's amazing. Oh, yes. Like they don't they don't make movies like that anymore. So yeah. they're such great writers too, man. Such great writers. Um and for them to work together, it's gotta be something good, you know? Dude, yeah. And to get Viola, because Viola can do anything she wants. Mm-hmm. So like to have us if you if she's on a movie, you know the script's great. Yeah. You know what I mean? If she's doing it and giving her her time, especially in a, a supporting role, she's like, it's gotta be a fucking great script. Dude, 100%. and it's crazy because like this, like the biggest thing about the Nike and Jordan deal 
was that Jordan got a percentage of the annual revenue of the shoes. Like at that point in time, that hadn't really been done before. Athletes were just paid retainers. Like, let's say if your contract is 200000 a year, you would just get the 200000 mm. But Jordan, he got, you know, the the yearly retainer. And then he also got a percentage of his shoe. <sighs> like, he he owned a piece of his name and his brand. Billionaire, man. Billionaire. Retainer. 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 <laughs> we're also very excited. Uh, the Flash is coming out soon. Speaking yes. of Ben Affleck. And I have a feeling that it's going to be really fantastic in that with all of the drama that happened with DC over the past six months, I think yeah. that they do have something special on their hands because Andy Muschietti is one of my favorite recent directors. His horror film Mama, which Guillermo del Toro produced for him, mm-hmm. is a fantastic horror film. And then I really – what he did with it was really sensational. Yeah. He blew me away because we grew up on that t- TV miniseries and it was just like – it was scary as a kid, but like it's so cheesy. Mm-hmm. It's a hard, hard story to adapt. But he made one of the best horror films of the past decade with the it, the first It for sure. And so when he signed on to The Flash, I was like, this is in really good hands. So I think that The Flash, I, I'm get, I'm predicting it's going to make a billion five. It's going to be a massive hit. And it's going to be a big deal for Warner Brothers going forward. It for has sure. to. It has to make a billion. This is yeah. going to end up being like yeah. a $500 million film. But we actually heard <laughs> some of it. We were actually at Warner Brothers the other day. We can actually talk about this. We won't get into details because we're under embargo for reactions until April third is when we're on. Oh, I lifted up. I know what you've but seen. But we got to see. <laughs> we saw the trailer for Blue Beetle. Yeah. And so this episode's posting August sixth, so we can actually after the fact. Yeah, we yeah. can talk about it. But um, it, the trailer looked awesome. You're gonna fucking. Oh, love we it. can we we can talk about yeah. it right now, yeah. right? Yeah. We, yeah. Okay, I don't want right. to spoil it for him because yeah, we're, the embargo will be lifted by now. Yeah. Just don't tell anyone about this. <laughs> but um, because we're we're filming this on the 29th. Yeah. And so the trailer was. We will murder you. <laughs> The trailer was awesome. You're going to fucking love it, dude. Dude, that is my number one this yeah. year. Dude, got, do you yeah. know, Blue Beetle, are you a comics fan of the comics? Because um, we, don't, we don't know anything. We never heard of Blue Beetle. I never heard of Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. We, we're very not comic people. So whenever a new superhero comes out, I'm like, I've never heard of that, but it's cool. As someone who's never heard of the character, they really sold me on the trailer. It's a lot of fun. It's really engaging. It looks like it's a really exciting entry for DC to put in their in their franchises. Does, did it like stand out from yes. like other yeah, absolutely. DC projects? Absolutely. It, it was excellent. And also we got to meet Sholo, who's the lead, yeah. Sholo Maraduena, and then Angel Manuel Soto, who's the director. We got mm-hmm. to meet them too. We got to make a little content, which posted the other day. But the trailer was awesome. And then like we were while we were down in the, like the underneath the base, not underneath the theater, but like <laughs> so, the so they have floor. they have a, it was like a screening uh, uh, a building for screening. There was a mm-hmm. screener, a screening theater on the top floor, and then on the bottom floor is where we did the interviews. Gotcha. Yeah, and so the the theater and then downstairs is where we met them and talked to them. But then uh, while we were waiting our turns, they were watching The Flash upstairs. So we heard like Danny Elfman's music and then we heard a little bit of the opening. No. And then we were like, we should go. I don't want to hear Because <laughs> you could hear it. It's right up the stairs. Yeah. So I, I know the opening song that they're going to use in The Flash and I'm all on board. But we could hear it being played. And people that were working there, they're like, I've seen it four times already and it's amazing. Yeah, WB employees can just watch it. And they all signed Dude. NDAs, but like if they want, they, the theater doors were open. Like the theater, yeah. it was literally. I heard this like brass score from above. I was like, is that like a Danny Elfman score? <laughs> and, then, and then one of the employees in the us, they're like, yeah, they're watching The Flash. I was like, what? Dude. They're watching The Flash 15 feet away. I was from almost us? like, should we just go? <laughs> watch it? No one's going to know. I asked her, I was like, can we watch it? She was like, Ugh. I was like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But seriously, though, no, seriously, can we watch it? She was like, no. Dude. Uh, yeah, I'm going to CinemaCon for literally The Flash. Oh, nice. Because nice. it's Hell debuting yeah. uh, at CinemaCon uh, April 25th. Where is CinemaCon? Is it in LA? It's or? in Vegas. Oh, in Vegas. Dude, wow. you guys got to go out there at some point. Hell yeah. For like Vegas. the next is that, CinemaCon. Is that May? Um, April. April. Okay. Yeah, end of April. Oh, very soon. Very soon. Love to check it out. 
dude yeah um so yeah they're from the flash there that's where they premiered top gun maverick last year oh yeah oh man um, what the flash dude i'm so hyped on that movie it's gonna be big and i think ben's probably only in it for like five or ten minutes max he said something probably. like that he's probably just in like the opening battle if there's one well i don't know if you guys saw he he like he was on a podcast he talking spoiled about it here. dude he spoiled yeah. gal gadot's yeah. she's in in it as wonder yeah. woman and uh he said that it was his best shit that he's done as batman yeah which I mean, is like really exciting they probably hear. don't care they want people to see this fucking movie because the yeah. same thing happened it's what happened with shazam and then it's what happened with black adam where they're teasing all the big secret reveals mm -hmm. right before the movie comes up because it's tracking low and like at least we can get some ticket sales if we show that gal gadot's in this movie if we show that henry cavill's in this movie which was that, that sucked that they cut him the next week but um i think it's kind of just an effort just to get as many butts and seats and sell as many tickets because they yeah. need to make a billion how do you feel about dc's big changes with gun and saffron going forward uh really revitalizing and changing the direction obviously firing a couple of the famous actors like henry cavill uh but just basically going in a new direction what's your overall opinion of it? are you happy with it? are you excited with it are you pissed that um, someone like Cavill, who we love, got fired, or do you think it's like a they have the potential for a brighter future? For me, overall, I'm happy with like the the direction that they're heading because DC has needed leadership over there to like two people in this in this case it is two people. It's James Gunn on the creative side, Peter Safran on the business side, which is like such a perfect combo. Just overseeing everything and really just being the one to call the shots because for so many years it's just been so many different changes in leadership, changes in direction. That, like, it's insane to me how it's been over 10 years and they did nothing with Henry Cavill Superman. Like, no it, sequel. He never had another none, movie. None, none. And, like, when it comes to, like, someone like Henry Cavill Superman, obviously, like, that is, dude, I have, po like, three posters of him all over my room. He I has like two, but they're shirtless. <laughs> they're, on the, they're on my ceiling. <laughs> See, yeah. Yeah. I, had, I, I mean, I think I told you guys off the pot, but I had like literally the teaser poster for Man of Steel just right over my bed. And Love it. It would be the first thing I'd see when I wake up in the morning, last thing I see at night. Remember and that first needed. trailer? Remember the he teaser trailer? He gets it. Remember the Dude. teaser trailer? You hear like a little bit of the theme from Haas. But, so they had two teasers yeah. with one with Russell Crowe narrating yeah. Yeah. and then one with Kevin Costner nar narrating. They didn't really show anything mm -hmm. of Superman. They would show Cavill like on the docks or like with petting that dog handheld mm -hmm. with this really cool intimate uh, cinematography style. And then shot of him flying up in the Boom. clouds. And he was like, oh my God, <laughs> what is this? Dude, I remember they showed that teaser uh, for the Dark Knight Rise, like what, during, during the Dark Knight yeah, Rises, before, yeah. it was attached to yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. It and was. I remember watching it like, oh my god, because it came out in 2013. Rises came out in 2012, so yeah. they, they did. They it was before the Rises. Studios were so much better at, at trailers versus today. Obviously, I mean with yes. big blockbusters because mm -hmm. I feel like every time I'm about to go see an MCU movie or a superhero movie, like the last few years. The whole trailer, the movie's in there. The whole, the whole movie's in there. Dude, happened yeah. with Thor: Love and Thunder. Happened kind of with uh, Multiverse of uh, Madness. Or the other recent ones. Ant uh, dude, I was Ant shocked. Ant -Man. Ant Man. The whole that movie's was, in the trailer. The whole movie was. Dude, in the trailer. We, so we watched the trailer, and then we were like, so probably when uh, Ant Man's all bloodied up, and he's saying. Uh, I don't have to win. I, we just both have to lose. I was like, that's probably the end of the movie. It's definitely, and it was. That, that was <laughs> yeah, the climax. Yeah, yeah. How could you throw in the climax in the trailer? It's, yeah, it's it was, they even they'll even structure trailers like it's like a condensed version. Film. It's not like it's like all sorts of cuts and they're like throwing up. They're reordering scenes. It looks like there's sometimes the trailer is like just a two minute version of the entire film from start to finish, yeah. and it's like I feel like I've seen the movie already. Mm -hmm. And when we watched Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. We were like, I, I walked out and I was like, yeah, I already saw it. I already saw the movie. Yeah. In the trailer. Dude, yeah. No, I, I mean, 
And I think that's a great conversation to bring up because I think nowadays, I feel like studios are making trailers thinking and having in mind what's going to get the most buzz on social media yeah compared to like back then trailers were like their own art form same oh, yeah. thing with posters like posters nowadays are just like a ton of floating head posters <laughs> where they're not really like made as like their own individual pieces of art mm. they, they don't want to take risks anymore when it comes to marketing but i love old movie trailers but we still get great ones i think oppenheimer the one that i max yeah. oppenheimer trailers yeah the best trailer of the year so mm -hmm. far but i mean even thinking back to like inception's movie trailer is incredible but like not just like showing the final of the film i mean dungeons and dragons they had a good trailer too the yeah. last one it didn't yeah. tell the whole film mm -hmm. and i enjoyed that movie with no expectations yeah. but I, I think studios they used to be so much better at taking risks showing us something interesting to get people enticed to see a movie versus like i think it's a great point it's just all about getting views on social media yeah. and just kind of shooting your well, load it's like just showing them everything that the movie has to get them in you know what I mean? And not saving anything. Mm -hmm. And there are some filmmakers that actually make their own trailers. Tarantino makes his own trailers. Paul Thomas Anderson, he actually edits his own trailers. And mm -hmm. they get to have creative art, um, integrity, and control over what they're showing for the marketing. So I think it would be cool if they started maybe going that route. Because I'm going to go see the Batman, too. It doesn't matter what yeah. the trailer looks <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go see yeah. it. Just Give show it. Robert Pattinson's foot for two Dude, minutes. I'll yeah. go see yeah. it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Give us a badass shot of him walking out of the Batmobile. Mm -hmm. Boom. Signed up. <laughs> this episode, of course, is sponsored by our great friends at MoviePosters.com. Be sure to use our promo code RAIDERS10 to get 10% off your order today. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library and if you want to get some posters be sure to go there and use our promo code raiders 10 to get 10 percent off your order today well speaking of that we got the villain got one of the villains got cast today yeah. so clayface clayface who is clayface do you know um yeah yeah i mean i know of, of the character of clayface yeah. yeah clayface is he's kind of just a an evil dude who can just like shapeshift mm -hmm. And he's like made of clay, so he can shape shift into like different people, things. Usually, he's like this giant clay monster. So he's definitely one of more like he's one of the more fantastical villains amongst Batman's rogues gallery, which caught me by surprise because like Matt Reeves's Batman seems to be so grounded that I never thought they would do someone as like big and crazy as Clayface. Yeah, I, I remember from the animated series, he was in a bunch of episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can't remember specifics. It's so long ago, but I definitely remember seeing him in the animated series a few times. But so I was thinking with the Batman, with Matt Reeves' Batman, I think it's cool to go with the lesser known villains with the the rogues gallery that maybe because the animated show did everyone. They yeah. they threw everyone in that in terms of villains. So I don't want to see I don't I don't think we need to see Bane again. I honestly it's cool. I love Barry Keoghan. I think he's a perfect choice for the Joker, but I wasn't like, oh, I need to see Joker again. You know the studio we, was. Yeah, I mean we, <laughs> have, we have Joaquin, we just had Jared Leto. Heath just only 12 years yeah. ago. So there's already been so many Joker interpretations just in the past decade, just in the past five years. So I wasn't really craving a new Joker, although I'm sure he's going he's gonna to nail the hell out of it. So I think it's better to go with the rogues gallery that maybe the live actions haven't really approached. And, and even maybe Poison Ivy could be a really interesting one with this world that he built. So I'm all for the weird, crazy, lesser known villains for sure. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I think those are the villains that fit Pattinson's Batman the most. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Riddler was such a great villain for, for like, the first. There he is. He's right there. Oh, he is. He's awesome. 
Dude, I was yeah. just disappointed. I want to see more screen time of him versus like smartphone or ta- or screen yeah. time because mm-hmm. he was like a lot of his footage was him on a screen. But he, he was an influencer so, too. He was so. Yeah. <laughs> I believe they call Subscribe. them. I believe they call those incels. Uh, <laughs> but he like he was so has such a strong presence on camera that he's in like mm-hmm. ten minutes maybe max of the movie and he still is so memorable as that role as Riddler. Well, he's a great actor. Once he was cast, I was like, okay, this is gonna yeah. be special. But Matt Reeves is a smart guy. He's a terrific director and great writer. We loved the uh, Planet of the Apes trilogy yeah, that he did the last two films on. Those are really great. Like sci-fi and dystopian films like the some of the best ones made the last several years like especially the third one the cgi in that was insane so i, I when he got the batman job i was like he must have a great pitch and then pattinson we've been a huge fan of pattinson for a long time i i've only seen one twilight film but i was i was a big fan of what he did in the 2010s he did a lot of very small independent films weird films and basically upped his game and stretched his range of acting to really experiment and and build his craft. And so when he was cast, I was like, this guy's fucking legit. He's going to yeah. crush it. Like, yeah. perfect choice. That jawline works. The jawline. The jawline. Yeah. Great input. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, you said it well. Terrific artist. Excellent jawline. Everyone knows what I'm looking for. <laughs> no, We all know what you like. Dude, and I remember at that point in time where, like, when he was cast, everyone was just like, Twilight Boy, Twilight Boy. Yeah. And then, like, before, like, I, I made, like, my judgment on it, I went to go l- look at everything Robert Patton has Robert Pattinson has done in in between, you know, the Rover, Good Time, yeah, like Good Time was the one that was like, whoa, whoa, like this, this ain't no Twilight boy, this is a Something really different. damn good actor. And then obviously he tr- he crushed with the Batman, and now like I think the Batman was so good that WB was just like, all right, let's keep this. Here's over the money. Here. Here's the money. Yeah, Here's yeah, money. yeah. Matt Reeves, do your thing. Yeah, do your yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. But even even with bringing in James James Gunn and Peter Safran, they're still like. All right, yeah, that's the over here in its little <laughs> corner. The DCU, that'll be an experiment that'll, you know, we'll see how that goes. What do like, they call it? The other verses or Elseworlds? Other... Elseworlds, yeah. Elseworlds. yeah. They've yeah. made up a term just to keep it alive. Well, the thing is, I don't want any other any other heroes to go into Matt Reeves' Batman yeah. films, except for obviously Catwoman. Um, I, was there another like major hero? Like Robin. So Robin. Yeah. Those two, I'm fine with. But I don't what do you mean like from from like the DC? Yeah, I don't want like yeah. Shazam to show up. I don't want Hell Superman no. to show up. I don't no. want any of that. I think that what they did was so cool, and they probably understood that like it, we don't have to completely follow the Marvel template of everything's a shared universe, even with the multiverse expanding it even more. So maybe we can just do our thing that we have our big plans for, but then also we can have filmmakers that are doing their own projects individually that have their own tone, their own vision. And audiences can have a little bit of both. And I think that's probably the best decision going forward for them. I'll miss Ben as Batman because I think he still got done dirty. He never got his own solo movie. And he was like one of the best interpretations of the character. I love He's good. I love him as Batman. <laughs> and it would be cool to see him in the flash. But the same yeah. thing happened when he got cast. Everyone was like, Ben Affleck yeah. as Batman. Me and Anthony were like, fuck yeah, yeah Ben Affleck go. as yeah. Batman. <laughs> yeah. Just like Robert Pattinson. I mean, it happened with Heath Ledger as the Joker. When Heath mm-hmm. Ledger got cast as the Joker, the outcry was insane yeah. and then the teaser came out people were like okay this looks really cool but like so many people are like the guy from Brokeback Mountain I'm like yeah the guy from Brokeback yeah. Mountain that movie's fucking awesome mm-hmm. he's terrific it's a in great that movie, movie. He, that, honestly that might be his best performance better than the, the, the Joker in my opinion it's such an incredible role but I mean I think people overreact to casting just like these directors know what the hell they're doing. And Robert Pattinson yeah. was the best choice to play Batman. I know Nicholas Holt was in the running. He was like second yeah. behind him, which mm-hmm. he still is like waiting for that big star-making role. I don't know if Renfield's going to be the one for him. 
Yeah. So I kind of feel bad for him. He's always getting. He's like second in a lot of movie roles. And even in X Men, he was like the Beast. seventh most important mm-hmm. character. So yeah. it's like he's always kind of on the side. He's almost been yeah. James Bond. He's almost been Batman. He's almost been Superman. He's almost been a lot Dude, of I big think he roles. Would, I think he would be great as Two Face. Like Harvey. He'd be a good Two Face. Yeah, he he, yeah. He's a very talented guy. Did you see the menu? Yeah, he's he's so funny in the menu. Mm-hmm. He cracked me up. I love that. Speaking of Two Face, so he's been rumored to be in. J- Joker, Folly Ado. Yeah. But then there's there's really like Harvey Dent as a character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Harvey Dent's gonna be in it. It's like on a newspaper. Mm-hmm. There's some behind the scene behind the scenes images that have been like a protest scene. Uh-huh. And um, but it reminds me of and also speaking of Matt Damon, how everyone thought that Matt Damon almost got cast as Harvey Dent. That's like a complete misconception. He he didn't even talk to anybody about it. They just like called his agent and their his agent was like, he's unavailable. He's like, all right, cool. But like it's like a big rumor that Matt Damon was almost Harvey Dent in the Dark Knight films but well, like it yeah. didn't actually Chris it Nolan wanted him but it just didn't work yeah. out there was scheduling conflict and so there was he never even got a script or anything it was just like he didn't he, talk to anybody yeah so yeah. but yeah the, but, it's a but Chris Nolan's been a huge fan of his that's why he was interstellar that's why he's in uh, Oppenheimer so Nolan has, has always been a massive fan of Matt Damon he wanted to get him as Harvey then it just didn't work out did but, you see the clip of uh the guy interviewing Matt Damon for the air, air premiere <laughs> yeah, and dude. for three he for a minute and a half he asked him about the runtime three times. Like, you're talking to Matt Damon, and you keep bringing up the runtime of Oppenheimer like it's a joke. It's like, ask him a better question. Come on, Variety. Is it three hours? Who is it? Variety. This <laughs> is your there's guy. No inter- there's no intermission. You're talking to Matt Damon. This is all you can talk about. But, like, it's three hours, right? Then Matt's like, yeah, it's three hours. You just asked yeah. me that, you fucking yeah. asshole. How long was your interaction with him? Dude, it was a solid, like, 30 seconds. Nice. Like, at the after party. Uh-huh. And, dude, that was, like, everyone was there. Viola, she was, like, in her own... You know, section ben, uh-huh. ben Affleck and J Lo were in their own section. Oh, J Lo was there. Oh my <laughs> yeah, god, dude, it Jesus. was crazy. Um, and then Matt Damon, he's like one of my favorite actors ever. So I kind of just went up to him and like congratulated him on the movie. And dude, he was just like so dope, like so dope. He like, seems like such a nice guy. We we actually, he's one of our favorite actors because we grew up. We like to say like Jason Bourne was our superhero yeah. when we were kids because like we loved the Bourne movies and like those were like the larger than life movies coming out at that time. Like there was, well, I mean, Batman was Rainy, coming out. Yeah, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> but like, he was a superhero. For he was us. an action star. Yeah, but he yeah. was just like, a, like we love him. And Good Will Hunting is one of my favorite movies. Me I mean, because if you take away John Wick, who's the big action star of the last 10, 15 years, because there always were a handful at a time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And not that weren't, su- not that weren't superheroes. Yeah, okay, gotcha. you know what yeah. I mean? It, because I mean, now it's, it's only superheroes. It's Bourne and James Bond. Yeah. yeah. Those are the only two. That's Bond, it. yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. On that level. But J- but James Bond's been around for so long, too. Yeah. But John Wick kind of like brought the action hero back in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, obviously I'm been... thinking the action hero's back. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I'm back again. <laughs> See John Wick 4? Yes, did you dude. like it? Uh, I did like it. Yeah. I, I mean, I he was there. Remember, we saw. Him. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we said, that. yeah, yeah. I, I forgot. <laughs> I don't think I like it more than the first one. I still think the first one. That's right. Same, bro. Same. But it was still fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was like, great. It yeah. was such a. It felt like they poured everything they had left to do into this one movie, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, we did an episode on it the other day, and I put it probably. I go to like one, three, four, two. I think I like the third one a lot. I think Parabellum yeah. is awesome. Halle Berry is such a badass in the movie, but you can't beat the first movie. It's establishing the lore. Plus, it, it wasn't such the scope wasn't so big that it was yeah. like unbelievable. But like it was still kind of small and reserved, just getting introduced to this underworld and the high table and everything like that. It was so <laughs> new and interesting. But the scope is so massive now in John Wick Four, which is I think there are pros and cons to that. But I just love the first one so much. Yeah, yeah. we were saying. I mean, the thing with John Wick is it's got so much consistency as a franchise where all the movies are really good. 
Like there's no bad mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. There's no really weak one. You and it's like any one of them can be somebody's favorite. And you could be like, yeah, I can see that being your favorite. Yeah, no problem. So that's yeah. what's a strength because we were comparing it to the Matrix trilogy franchise, and we we're like, there's only one great Matrix movie. <laughs> <laughs> the others, it's pretty. It's an outlier with mm-hmm. the other ones, especially if you compare number four of each franchise. Resurrections is a weak one. So yeah, yeah we. Mm-hmm. I like to. I like to forget that I even saw that movie. What movie? Resurrections. <laughs> <laughs> what? You mean the one where they erased everything they did? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hollywood 2022. <laughs> yeah, and oh, dude, man. I think that's like a testament to like where like i guess the state of hollywood and cinema is that like now when more sequels are announced to like popular franchises we're just like oh shit yeah <laughs> we're like please yeah. don't mess up what that's came why before. i'm so glad he died i'm so glad john wick yes. died but yeah. obviously they're yes. they're doing a universe they're doing a wick first for sure but i'm Dude, like at least we're not getting john wick 16 you know i need a kane movie Kane will get his yeah. own. He'll they're all going to get their own projects. Yeah. Akira, so Kane, fantastic. Uh, Winston's getting a spinoff series. Continental comes out soon, so they're gonna they're just ramping that up. That's just yeah. starting because that movie we talked about in the episode is kind of like an MCU film, establishing a bunch of characters to get ready for spinoffs. Yeah. Where they never really did that with the other John Wicks. The Halle Berry one with Parabellum, she's done. She's like, all right, our blood oath is done. Never talk to me again, you asshole. Like I'm out of here. See you later. But this one, they definitely opened it up, especially with that post credit scene, mm-hmm. to for anyone to have a spinoff now. Yeah. So yeah, it's just kind of different the way Hollywood approaches their movies. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the spin. I mean, the uh, post credit. Keanu didn't like it because yeah. you were there too. He's he made fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like it. I was yeah. like, why? Why would you even show that? Because they already established it in the film that she's gonna go after him. So I'm like, I mean, we we know we get it. They're gonna have yeah. a movie. We like after it. after John Wick died, I was yeah. kind of like, wow, this is just such a great ending. It's yeah. like having a post credit scene to Endgame. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. It would have it, it would have felt weird. Yeah. It felt a little it's weird. Like, from what you just watched, it, it felt yeah. weird because it felt like. Okay, the story's done. Then it's like, guess what? It's not. Is John alive? Like, <laughs> I, dude, I, one of the producers already said that they want to do John Wick Five, and I'm just like, I, I think, look, I think they're gonna do it because I think there's too much money involved. And... But I don't think Keanu would do it. I, I hope he doesn't. I, really I don't. hope they don't really do don't. another John Wick because he wants to do Constantine too. Yes. So I think he really wants to do that and try something else. And like, I feel like he put everything into this one. Yeah. He's like, what, 55, 58, Dude, 58? he's getting up there. Yeah, he's 58. So I mean, can they really pull off another one? Because even though the stunt choreography and fight choreography is incredible, he you can notice he's getting a little slower. I, I mean, I hope I'm that fast when I'm 58. <laughs> Holy yeah. crap, he's still in incredible shape. But you can tell he's getting older. Yeah. Can they do that in, in three years from now when he's in his 60s, like the same no, kind of fighting? I actually saw someone bring up like a great – uh, option for them to continue the franchise do a video game do, that yeah, works that would yeah. be sick that works like imagine like a john wick video game of him it's and his built prime. for it yeah it's built and for gaming keanu can do you know some mocap work mm. and like that'd be so sick a john wick and video then they game. get a cool. young stunt performer to do exactly. all the physical fighting but mm-hmm. kind of like the template of last of us like a little bit of cinematic but mostly just first person like, guys doing should awesome. we pitch this to lionsgate i'm sure sh- yeah. should we pitch this yeah all right hey i'm sure they're listening i mean we got soups here <laughs> tune in. guys tune in, lionsgate. give us give us the keys to the, to the ferrari guys give us the money <laughs> get us a meeting with chad stelensky and we you know, got we'll, it we'll talk it we out. got it we got it <laughs> well Sahelski, he wants to do ghost of tsushima and yeah. so hopefully they're fast tracking that because Last of Us was so successful. Mm-hmm. And if he stays true to that game, that would be really freaking cool. Yeah, because we love samurai movies. I mean, The Last of Us is. I mean, The <laughs> Last of Us is great because that that adaptation has been great. But The Last Samurai is near and dear to our hearts. Mm-hmm. We adore that movie so much. Anything with Tom Cruise. And, yeah, yeah I mean, it's fucking Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, but we we really love Last Samurai. That's a great film. Um, and but I love samurai films. Uh, Kobayashi, Nakira Kurosawa, they'd made a lot of great ones back in the day. So it'd be cool to, for that genre to get revitalized in Hollywood again. I mean, mm-hmm. Kill Bill, Kill Bill 2, those, those are samurai, those are samurai, samurai movies samurai technically. Film. So yeah. 
Those, those Caucasian are actually a girl blend. likes to play with with samurai swords. They're actually a blend of samurai kung fu. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of kung fu in that. So it's it's kind of like what they did with because I thought with John Wick four one of the best aspects to it was getting two Asian icons, mm -hmm. uh, Donnie Yu, Donnie Yen, and then uh, Hiro, Hiro, Hiroki, Hiroyuki Hiroyuki Sonata from he's actually in Last Samurai to have them a Japanese star and then a Chinese star mm -hmm. put them into this film like just all heavyweights for the martial arts film around the world in one movie and in some cases sharing scenes together that was just massive so it was really smart of them it reminded me of Kill Bill blending the two kinds of Asian cinema and fighting styles together with Kill Bill yeah yeah I mean when I watched the movie like the that whole sequence of them at I forgot what was that place Osaka Continental Osaka Continental like, yeah. Osaka yeah. Continental. like mm -hmm. that was like one of the dopest parts of the movie to me and I'm mm -hmm. like dude give us a whole movie on just this yeah <laughs> this place and these characters because like we need more samurai movies I wouldn't oh, be surprised because I think there's a thirst out there for swords man people yes. like swords in movies obviously the gladiator 2 is coming out mm -hmm. uh next year so they're filming that this year is it already next year it's coming yeah, out next yeah, year November. oh my yeah. god yeah, Ridley shoots fast man. he does shoot fast I'm sure they're they're probably filming this summer I'm sure you know they're starting to cast all these roles but we're we're really excited about that at first when I heard about the news of gladiator 2 I was like Really, Ridley, but then I've just been like warming up to it, and then Paul Muskell, and then Barry Keoghan, Denzel Washington. I mean, I, I can't freaking wait. Obviously, it's not going to compare to the first film, but mm -hmm. hopefully, they can still make a solid sequel. I think they can. Dude, actually, you guys know that uh, they actually had planned a script for a sequel to bring back Russell Crowe, <laughs> and the premise of the movie was going to be him, uh, like God was going to bring him back to life from like, uh, I guess the afterlife. Elysium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God was going to bring him back because, like, there was, like, a new threat, and God thinks that the mortal world still needs him. Um, I would not watch You know who wrote it? Nick Cave. Really? No Nick Cave wrote it. Did That's he? Crazy. Did anyone ask him to write it? Or he just yeah, did? they asked him to write it, and they, uh -huh. did, they turned it down. <sighs> that I, I, work. Like, I like the concept of the newer one of just, like, picking up with, like, the, the Lucius. kid, Lucius. Um, Barry Keoghan, dude, seeing him has, like, General Gaeta. Who's gonna be Emperor the... Gata, yeah, Emperor Gata? Yeah, Emperor yeah. Gata. I think he's the villain. Yeah, like, oh, definitely. definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's Barry Keoghan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's also interesting to see like Joaquin Phoenix in the first movie. Now he's Joker, Barry Keoghan. Oh, that's really interesting. You know? Yeah, and back then Joaquin, he was a rising star, but he was not. That a household was his breakout. Name. He was not a household name at all. So it was, it's a very similar trajectory. Um, but Barry actually, he got Oscar nominated before he got cast, so mm -hmm. he's got that on Joaquin. Whereas Joaquin. He was in a, a bunch of films in the 90s, and then he grew in popularity. Um, but he, he he and his brother were two just, like, incredibly talented actors. He's probably more known for being River Phoenix's brother. As you, also an be. actor. but used like, to be. No, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, back then, back he was then, more known for being River exactly. Phoenix's Cause, brother. Because River was so famous. River was yeah. the yeah. superstar of that era, of being that of that generation. I mean, he played young Indiana Jones in Last Crusade. Like, that was probably yeah. the role that, like, every person that age wanted and he got it because he was, he was the best of his age at acting and he would have if river phoenix had not passed away he'd be probably one of the biggest stars of all time ever and greatest actors of all time too yeah i agree yeah. absolutely what yeah. a legend but joaquin i mean just the talent of that family it's just it doesn't make sense how two actors can be that good in the same family. it's crazy right? like two incredible that's, talents that's god gifted yeah it's wild and they actually had a really unique uh childhood they grew up in a cult yeah and then their parents left the cult when they were like seven, eight, nine years old. And what then, kind of cult? Was it a religious cult or? It's a spiritual cult of, some, cult of some kind. Yeah. Dude, yeah. And they would like travel like. Uh, Traveling like, cult. Yeah. They would travel like South America, like trying to like uh, spread their, I guess their, their gospel. Yeah. Their, whatever what their, it was. What, with their message. Yeah. 
Um, and then the I think the parents found out that the, there was like some shady stuff going on in the cult. So they left the cult. They like hit on like a cruise, not like a cruise ship, on just like a ship in general. They hit on a ship and then found their way over to America. And they were just like super dirt poor. But like yeah. the kids worked their way up. And yeah, because they were working actors by like teens. Yeah, they were very and then they young. took them out of it, right? I, mean, I think so. Not River maybe, because River from Stand By Me, he just kept working. Yeah. But Joaquin was a few years younger, and I think he was like in and out of roles. And he then... quit. He quit acting, but River convinced him to keep going and do it again. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So I remember watching an interview where he, he's like, my brother like pulled me, and he's like, you're going to go back into it. You're going to be an actor, and you, this is what you're going to do. And then he's like, all right, fine. But man, maybe all those life experiences is what attributed to them being so creative and such great like yeah, performers. Yeah. And just like yeah. kind of maybe if they were acting in real life to survive mm -hmm. in situations <laughs> to kind of like now you do it for a living mm -hmm. at such a young age. That's probably where they're both so good. I saw this great interview with Joaquin the other day where he, people, the journalist or interviewer was asking him what his process is with acting. And Joaquin says he, he learned that it's best for him to not even have a plan when he walks into a scene. But obviously he has... The mannerisms, the voice, and the physicality down, but he doesn't like to block scenes out and because he, he likes it to feel fresh every time and every take to feel like a new thing and never repeat himself. And he feels he said that whenever he plans something, he'll be like, okay, in this next take, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to say the line there in this way. And he says that whenever he does that and plans ahead, it always looks terrible and sounds terrible and seems forced. Mm -hmm. And so he just, he just memorizes the lines, has his physicality done and the voice done, and then he just doesn't want to block a scene out the director will tell him what's going on and then he'll just like basically make something happen on the spot and that's like how he likes to work dude yeah no nah, it was so crazy like when after jared leto had played joker and then joaquin phoenix was cast and i was like yo is he gonna go crazy like what is he gonna do <laughs> and then like the movie came out and todd phillips was just was, was just like yeah he would just like stop acting when we yelled cut <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like what <laughs> yeah but the, the heath ledger going crazy it's just that's also a misconception he didn't go crazy he didn't like medicate himself from like a deep depression from playing the joker he was done with the joker for mm -hmm. months he was working on another movie he's almost done with that movie but obviously was filled in for him by colin farrell jude law and who else did it? Johnny. Johnny Depp. The three of them finished that role for him for the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnarsis. But he had he finished the Joker. He didn't go crazy from the Joker, but the media yeah. ran that because it was such a hot headline. Like yeah. Heath Ledger committed suicide because playing the Joker drove him crazy. It's yeah. such a such a horrible thing to say about his passing because that's not the, the case. He was already on different kinds of medication before playing the Joker. So it was just like an accidental overdose of an accidental mixture of medications is what killed him that probably I'm assuming he had different doctors that weren't coordinating or checking what kind of medications he was on. And then that's what happened. But like, he didn't, he didn't go crazy. And a lot of these actors, they don't go crazy. They just, mm -hmm. it's just, they're acting. Yeah. yeah. It, like, like saw, yeah, Daniel Day Lewis isn't still thinking he's freaking Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Probably took him a year to get out of it. Yeah, but, yeah. He got out of it. <laughs> there eventually. was a point when he was, but I, I saw a great Christian Bale interview where he said, Heath Ledger had a absolute blast and he had nothing but the time of his life mm -hmm. performing the role. And Aaron Eckhart told a really great story of working with him, and and they finished their scene. It was the hospital scene, and then they finished, and then they were just the two of them were just chatting afterward, and it was just like Heath Ledger. He's not crazy. He's just when the scene's being performed, mm -hmm. he's in it. But then he's have. They said he had so much fun, and he even said in an interview that it was the most fun he ever had doing a role, and he was so happy with it. So it's not like he got crazy playing the Joker to get in the Joker's mindset. Yeah. That's not all. Like they're actors, they're performers, mm -hmm. like. They're not like becoming insane to play an insane person. You obviously have to 
think like that person to a certain extent and put yourself in their shoes and try to behave like them, but you're not like losing your mind really. So I, the he- media likes to run yeah. headlines that clickbait, shit like that. It just kind of creates like this fake urban legend for something like that mm-hmm. and kind of disrespects the art form, especially for someone like Heath Ledger, who was one of the greatest actors to ever live, to kind of just like say like he just went crazy. No, it yeah. was all intentional. It was all mm-hmm. performance and it was just a genius of his artistic and of of what he was as a performer that made the role look like that. He's only 28 years old when he passed away. It's crazy. So crazy. young. It's crazy. crazy. It's nuts. I just watched Brokeback last week and I was weeping. I was weeping. He's so good in that oh movie. Oh my God. Man. Ennis, man. <laughs> Ennis Del Mar. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen, man. I, I love the Joker, but like people don't talk about his role in, in Brokeback enough. Yeah, he got nominated, but he didn't win. I think he should have won for that. He should have had two Oscars for sure. What are like... Uh, performances that come to your mind when you think of like snubbed actors oh snubbed actors i mean i would say daniel day lewis in gangs in new york mm-hmm. is definitely one of the best of the century. leo in the aviator mm-hmm. he's amazing in the have you ever seen, ever seen the aviator yeah, yeah. he's yeah. fucking awesome in that yeah, movie yeah. And no one t- no one cares but no also yeah. leo and django unchained yeah and then samuel jackson in django unchained and but also samuel oh jackson in the hateful eight mm-hmm. i think he should have won best lead actor that year he didn't even get nominated he's amazing in that movie yeah there's so many. I mean, but those are like top of my head. Yeah, Leo not having an Oscar until The Revenant is just crazy. that's insane. That's yeah. crazy to me. You could have given him to him for so many movies, but I think The Aviators a really special performance. Him as Howard Hughes, it's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a complex character, and he nailed it. But even Titanic, he's incredible. But yeah. also Catch Me If You Can, he's awesome in. Great he could have got nominated for Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, he's great. In that. I mean, he's that was such a great movie. That's such an underrated Spielberg movie too. Mm-hmm. Even though it got awards and made money, but like no one talks mm-hmm. about it that much anymore. It's a great pick. Yeah, I love yeah. that movie. It's so good. That's just a snubbed movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger and T two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he looks. He just. He's like a robot. He looks like a robot, man. <laughs> Perfectly cast. <laughs> Transformed. Arnold, man. Gary Gary Oldman was snubbed a few times. Uh, Ooh, in True yeah. Romance, he's amazing. In True Romance, yeah, yeah. So, he is. He's think white ball day. He's white ball day. He plays quite the character. It's out of his mind. It's great. He's a legend, man. He's still the best Gordon to me. He's my yeah, guy. He's my like, favorite Gordon. Jeffrey uh, Wright's great, but like Jim Gordon is Gary Oldman yeah. forever. Yeah. I, Same thing with uh, uh, Michael Caine's Alfred. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. his Alfred was just like, he played it with so much heart. And like, obviously, we'll see Andy Cir- more of Andy Circus and I hope their so. relationship. Uh, more of Jeffrey Wright as like the, the trilogy continues to happen. But... For me, like right now, I remember the Batman came out and everyone was just like, all right, everyone's the best. <laughs> Robert Pattinson, best Batman. Uh, Andy yeah. Serkis, best or, best best or bust, bro. That's what Recency it is. Bias. Best, best or best, bro. Best. Um, so yeah, everyone was just like the best, the best, the best yeah. of all time. And I was just like, yo, Gary until Oldman. The, until the next Relax, version. Relax, guys. Gary slow your, slow yeah. your roll, guys. <laughs> Chill out. It, it was one movie. Yeah. Michael Caine's Alfred's so special because I like how Andy Serkis like, taught him how to fight in the new one. Yeah. Like, and Obviously, um, what's his name in, in Ben Affleck's Batman, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. He's like kind mm-hmm. of working with him for the tech, the cartoon. He was helping some in some of them as well. But I like Michael Caine's because he's the father figure yeah. and the emotional backbone for Batman, and that and he actually leaves him, which is the most painful thing that happens mm-hmm. to both characters in that entire trilogy. Mm-hmm. Is Alfred leaving Batman to try to get him to stop doing what he's doing? What if to spare you pain, <laughs> I burn that letter? <laughs> <laughs> so I, but I love that interpretation where he doesn't have to be a badass. He doesn't have to yeah. be part of fighting crime. Yeah, he's his butler, but he's really the father figure, which they started to do with Andy Serkis' Batman mm-hmm. in, in the ba- Andy, Andy Serkis' Alfred in the Batman. Yeah. But I think you can't ever top the emotional connection that Alfred has in that one. 
Yeah, no, with like, Bruce. yeah, it, 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 it like you because you truly felt the love that Alfred had for his Bruce. And like that scene where he leaves him was just heartbreaking. The scene of Alfred burying Bruce. Oh my God. Heartbreaking. I, I failed you. I failed you. <laughs> I failed you, Master Wayne. And then the ending. The, the Dark Knight Rises does not get enough no, love. No, it's so good. So underrated. It's so, so underrated. I, so I still have uh, the Batman is under all of Nolan's Batmans for me. Really? Yeah, I Over have all it as them? number four. I love them all. <laughs> See, them yeah, all. I got a special place. They got a special place in my heart. Also. Batman so Begins is so freaking underrated too. Yeah. Batman Begins That movie's too. awesome. The Dark Knight was just, it was too good for the trilogy that now <laughs> Batman begins and the Dark Knight it was, Rises. It was hard to follow it up. It was hard to yeah. follow that Impossible. up. Yeah, so I think that Dark Knight Rises actually has a great rating on on IMDb. It's an 8.4. It's up there mm-hmm. in the top 100. I don't think it deserves to be in the top 100 of movies. <laughs> I think the Dark Knight does deserve that. Not not um, Dark Knight Rises, but I still, in the comic book genre, it's one of my favorites to this day. Yeah. And I really love it. I love the score. I love Tom Hardy. I love the epic filmmaking of it. I love the the stakes of holding Gotham hostage, uh, mm-hmm. the crisis of it. It's just I love the change of seasons. We yeah. go from summer to winter. Mm-hmm. Bruce getting his back broken in half. Like I think that Batman losing so badly to Bane and just getting his ass beat. That's one of the most like powerful scenes I've ever seen in a comic book movie before. Yeah. To, to just get his ass beat down. Insane. Peace has cost you your strength. Victory has defeated you. <laughs> I, dude, genuinely, I think I think Tom Hardy's Bane is the most quotable villain. Oh, oh yeah, we quote him all the time. Absolutely. Like, Thanos, <laughs> this gives you power over me. We quote him every day. I'll say, we will need it. When, when James got toilet paper. He does and say I, it. And I was like, I was like hey, we will need it. It's, it's the scene where he says, your precious armory, righteously taken. We will need it. He did quote dude. it today. Yeah, like whoever wrote the dialogue for Bane was just writing straight fire. Nolan, 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 Nolan. bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah he Nolan. Wrote, yeah, he writes he a writes. lot of his movies. He also co-writes uh, with his brother often. Mm-hmm. They co-wrote Interstellar together. And then David S. Goyer helped him write Batman Begins. And the story for Dark Knight. He, yeah. He, Goyer got a story credit. But Nolan's just one of those great directors where he, he has a hand in the scripts and everything he's done except for Insomnia. That's the one movie he hasn't written. Mm-hmm. But he's still, you know, he's in charge. He was the one who wanted to adapt the prestige to make into a movie and then working on the story. Goyer for the Batman going forward dunkirk you were himself so uh, he's a really special director and he decimates the imdb user ratings list he's in he's got like six movies in the top 100 that's crazy dude that's interstellar crazy. Is like his top fans 20. are crazy dark yeah. knight's top 20 i think inception's top like 30 yeah i mean i mean dunkirk's well, gotta yeah. be in the top dark, dark knight is a nine that's untouchable it, yeah. a nine rating on imdb is interstellar impo- is nearly so love too dude yeah. interstellar like yeah. yeah that movie is love, we just man. did an episode of interstellar but we were recounting the plot from memory yeah. And we hadn't seen it for like two years. It was no, pretty hilarious. It was super fun. Yeah. We were like, wait, and then this happens. And then <laughs> we did a good happens. job. Yeah, we did a good it's, job. It's called yeah. Memories. Movies, movies from, from Memory. memory. We've never done it before. Dude, it's a new segment. And we did the fun. whole thing. It was a blast. We're going to do Lord of the Rings next. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh going to be a mess. Gosh. We're going to get a lot of hate from Lord of the Rings stands. The mispronunciations are yeah. going to be Hold tough. Up. The extended editions? <laughs> we, I think no, we should no, do right. No, dude, we can't do the extended editions. All right, we'll do regular. I've only seen the extended editions like once or twice. That's true. That's true. That's true. We're doing well, Return of the King extended edition in person at AMC. Yeah, we're going to see it in theaters. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they're doing a release in like three weeks only for two nights. On the 13th yeah. and 19th. It's going to yeah. be epic. Four hours and 13 minutes. <laughs> Damn, that's a lot. I'm bringing a diaper. <laughs> a yeah. diaper? Yeah. I'm not getting up, bro. <laughs> no. Diaper. I'm not getting up. I'm just, I'm inserting a catheter. If you smell Let's something, go. just let... Just, if you smell something, I'm just letting you know. I'm, I'm warning ca- you. Catheter, man. I'm going to... <laughs> 
I'm gonna go to an old folks' home and steal some old man's catheter. And just, oh god! Who's gonna put it in? Are you gonna put I'll it in? Do it. It'll be fine. Brothers, <laughs> think it's the first catheter I put in. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! We went, but we went to uh, when Rises came out. We went to yeah. the. They did a marathon screening of Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises in mm-hmm. one night. It was like seven hours, but it was crazy. It was nuts. Smelt so bad in there. <laughs> I'm sure. Just a bunch of dudes <laughs> watching Batman for nine hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was great, though. But I like uh, – I think that filmmakers are getting more open to the idea of making films longer. Like, John Wick was a long movie, almost three hours. Mm-hmm. Oppenheimer is going to be three hours. And I think if a film is good, three hours is totally fine with me. Yeah. But I think some people get afraid of long movies. Like, people will be like, I can't watch that movie. It's too long. But then they'll binge Stranger Things in one day. It's like – I mean, come, what, what's the yeah. difference? So yeah. I, I'm I'm all for long films, mm-hmm. as long as they're great. And so I'm looking forward to Oppenheimer being three hours. I mean, Avengers Endgame was what three ten, three fifteen. It was a very long movie, yeah. but it feels like it flies by. So I hope that filmmakers aren't they're starting to not get and beholden to that. It has to be ninety minutes. It has mm-hmm. to be under two hours. And that was honestly pushed by a lot of studios because they want more screenings of a film in any given day. The shorter the film is, the more times it can play at mm-hmm. a theater. So they would push filmmakers to stay under two hours. But I think that people are beginning to realize, like, we can have three-hour movies that make a lot of money. So I think Nolan's Oppenheimer is going to be a big example of a film that is a pure piece war film that's three hours long, but it's going to make $500 million. So I think it's going to be a big, important movie yeah, for the easy, future dude. going no, forward for, for sure. filmmaking. Dunkirk made over 800 mil. No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. No, pretty damn sure. Let me let made, me double it check. Made 450. 450. Made 450. Hold on. It's not 800 is crazy. You're Inception made 850. Let's check the Dunkirk, Dunkirk made box four, office 450ish. Pulling it up, pulling it see. up. 800 billion dollars. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I told you man. I was yeah, always got me there, bro. I was way off. I was way off. <laughs> we looked at each other like, "What?" <laughs> 530 million. 530, okay. Okay, it was Inception. I mean, Interstellar was 700 mil. Inception was 836. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 800 billion. But I mean, 1917 made 385 million. Yeah, yeah. And that's not even a Nolan movie. War movies still sell. Also, this is like the first Nolan movie coming out post-pandemic that like people can actually go, you know, everyone can actually go watch. Yeah, we actually, when Tenet came out, it wasn't playing anywhere in California. Really? And we Except actually, well, yeah, so we was playing in two theaters in San Diego. So mm-hmm. we drove to San Diego to see it. Yeah. No yeah. one else in California is playing it. And California has the most movie theaters. That was That's the only crazy, cinema dude. playing it. I, it's, I'm shocked that movie made over, three, it made over 300 million box office yeah. globally. I'm shocked it made that because that was like, nobody was going. There were so many theaters locked down. And then a lot of people... We're afraid to even leave their houses, so it's a, it's really impressive that it even pulled in that much money. It still was a loss, though. Oh, huge loss, oh, big yeah. time, big loss. Uh, no, it's gonna be interesting to see how Oppenheimer competes with Barbie too. True, Barbie has true, like, true. Dude, Barbie already has like Barbie a has social media. Mar- Barbie has social media going. I, I, dude, yeah. I think Oppenheimer's gonna stomp on Barbie. Barbie, either so? dude. I think Barbie's gonna stomp. I on really, Oppenheimer. yeah, man. I would say yeah. I'm betting yeah, that they're gonna perform cr- about the same. They're gonna do about the same. Maybe a bunch of people will be doing double features. I think they're both going to make about 600. That's my That'd guess. That'd be crazy. Barbie, no, I, I think mil. Barbie's going to make like. Barbie's got eight, the name recognition. I think 800. And then 800, has, 900. If it's for PG. If it's PG. It'll be PG. Which I'm it'll sure be. it will be. There's, yeah, it'll it'll probably be a fucking G. toy commercial, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be PG. <laughs> it is. They're going to they're gonna move a lot of Barbies after that movie. Like, oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Mattel is going to make bangers. I think it's the first movie they've done, Mattel, in terms of a production for a film. Because Hasbro's done, been doing it. 
I mean, yeah, years. Hasbro has been doing it for a while. They yeah. were also in Dungeons and Dragons. They were part of that. But um, what's Transformers? Is that that's Hasbro? I'm right? pretty sure. Yeah. 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 And then, um, but Mattel. I think this is their first movie. But and then they're also developing a Hot Wheels movie, which is going to be Hasbro. Yep. I mean, Mattel as well, because Mattel owns Hot Wheels. As long as they do a flip. <laughs> the, the loop. I don't know how they gotta get gonna, the loop. In. I don't know how they're gonna do a Hot Wheels movie. Yeah, you can't. I guess it's gonna be live action. Yeah, Hot live Wheels, action. Hot yeah. Wheels live action. I, sure. I get it if they would do it like Lego movie style, but like live action because the tracks yeah. are so colorful and like they're ridiculous. It's like it wouldn't really make sense live maybe action. Maybe it's like a it's like a modernized speed racer. Yeah. Oh, maybe. maybe. Yeah. I mean, they're making as long that... as they make it about family. What? Not like family. <laughs> family. <laughs> Hot Wheels. Family. Fast, Fast X is gonna be. It's gonna lead into Hot Wheels. It's gonna post credit scene as Hot Wheels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the cars start talking. I mean, they're also doing that um that video game the 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 car game that you were smashing people the battle royale. Car oh, with Mackie. With Anthony Mackie yeah. is the lead. So I don't know how yeah. they're gonna do that one either. The demolition derby kind of game. Heck yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, it called. It was Cruiser you're probably, I don't know if you had it when you were a kid. We had it for PlayStation One because you're a youngin still. Was it? Was it like back in, my, back in my it, day? It wasn't monster trucks. It was like you have oh, like dude, that name crazy, so familiar. You have like crazy cars and like there's like an ice cream truck. There's a clown car, clown like a car, clown. and like it's a battle royale. What console? I think it was PlayStation One. I think we had it for. And... I had a GameCube. Well, okay. Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal. That's what it's called. Yeah, I definitely heard of it. I don't yeah. remember playing it. Because what are you, 21 now? Yeah, 21. Wow, this kid. This kid's still got <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy to see what you've done at such a young age of creating a career out of this. So it's it's super impressive, man. Yeah, I was it's not awesome. doing that at 21. <laughs> <laughs> I was still in college. Hey, hey look, li- life let us let us here. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. this one, it's meant to be. Yeah. You know? That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, man. <laughs> but still, there's so many good movies coming out this year. I mean, get back to Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible 7. Dude, yeah. Cannot wait for Ghost Protocol. That Did you like Fallout? Awesome. Uh, I really love Fallout. Yeah, Fallout's I really the best love one. Fallout. I love Fallout. Yeah. I just I just watched Mission Impossible One the other day. It still holds up. I love that movie. But Fallout, I think Fallout's one of the best action movies ever made, and it, it's it's probably my favorite action movie. I would say because there's to make the sixth movie of a franchise the best movie mm-hmm. like that. What that's absurd. It's crazy. But yeah. they Tom Cruise just pulls out the stunts. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who he, he got on since the fifth one, is a mm-hmm. great director. He made the Jack Reacher film, but he actually wrote The Usual Suspects, mm-hmm. and he's written a bunch of great screenplays before he was a director. But they have a great collaborative process, and being able to expand the scope, the team element, having Rebecca Ferguson, Simon Pegg, is now so instrumental. Obviously, being Rames coming back, but then getting Henry Cavill as a great Damn. villain. like I did not see that coming. Yeah. I thought like Cavill is going to be one of the team, good guy. Mm-hmm. And then when he turns full baddie mode, I was like, yes, I'm so awesome. This is so awesome. I'm, it's amazing. And then I'm just so excited to see what they pull out next. The trailer looks great. I, yeah. We love practical filmmaking. We don't like too Me much too. CGI. Mm-hmm. And they just do everything they can to keep it in the camera, no matter how crazy the, the practical stunt is or, or the huge effect is. So I have a lot of respect for them, and I can't wait. It's like old school filmmaking on the biggest scale possible. I think it's going to be the biggest box office of the year. I don't know what's going to beat it. Flash. You think? I mean, we'll see. I think Flash will destroy Top MI7. Gun just made 1.6. Dude. And I think people have a fever for for, for Tom Cruise yeah. again. Yeah. I, th- I, I think Maverick, like, oh, re- yeah. re- rejuvenated, like, people, like, the general audience's love for Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. And he's just, like, a, he's a must-see actor. And I think a lot, the success of Top Gun Maverick definitely affected the hype 
and the box office for yeah, that's uh, Mission a good, Impossible. That's a great point because MI seven MI six Fallout it only made seven hundred million. Yeah. The Mission Impossible movies have never been gigantic hits. Mm-hmm. And actually, Top Gun Maverick was the first Tom Cruise movie to make a billion dollars. Yeah. For being the biggest star alive for now 30 years, mm-hmm. it's ironic that he's never had a hit that big because now in the Marvel DC era in Star Wars, modern Star Wars, we're so used to movies making a billion dollars. And so Top Gun was a big deal for him. And it's just so impressive to see that he still to this day at almost 60 years old, is still the biggest star alive. You yeah. know what's cool about him? He's never had to become a superhero because he's fucking Tom Cruise. He is a superhero. <laughs> he is a superhero. Him and, like, Nicolas Cage are just are in their yeah. own genre. Well, Nick was a uh, Ghost Rider. Oh, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> he was. He did, go- he did two Ghost yeah. Riders. Ava Mendes is in that. Damn. Um, John Wick damn. is in a... John Wick. Uh, yeah, Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise League of His Own, yeah. bro. League of His Own. League Biggest movie own. star of all time. I don't yeah. care what anyone says. It's a fact. It you don't care. Actual, it's an actual fact. <laughs> I've gotten so many debates with that with people. Like, what do you mean Tom Cruise? I'm like, who's bigger than Tom Cruise Dude, of all yeah, time? I can agree with that for All sure. time. Yeah. Biggest movie star ever. Because it's not. It's like even... Like, I bet, like, Ethan Hunt's the character of Mission Impossible. But it's not like, oh, it's the next Ethan Hunt movie. It's the next Tom Cruise movie still. You know what I mean? It's yeah. still him. It's not like... Uh, kind of in a way, a lot, modern uh, big studio films, it seems like the characters are becoming more famous and in demand than the actual actors playing them. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see when actors do projects outside of the MCU or outside of DC or outside of Star Wars, they don't perform that well because it's not really that era of audiences in acting anymore where it used to be Tom Cruise pulled in the audience no matter what the film was. Yeah. And Schwarzenegger would pull in the audience no matter what his mm-hmm. film was. They were the main draw, but now it's the characters have become more of the main draw. But Tom Cruise is still on that level where he is still the main draw, I would say. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. my main draw. Yeah. We, we loved Maverick. <laughs> I saw Maverick three times in We have a huge poster in the house. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah. It's yeah. massive. I'll show you when we go back in. I love that movie. I love that movie. That, that, dude, that so fucking, good, bro. The fucking third act, because, well, first of all, I got to say, mm-hmm. the the action sequence where he proves that the mission is possible flying in the empty, empty desert mm-hmm. with the simulation i was like that's like the best action scene i've seen in years and nothing happened it was just him <laughs> flying by himself yeah. in the desert i was like yeah. that was so good <laughs> but then for that third act to happen so I, I i was like walking the film i was like okay they're gonna have a big mission and then they'll win they'll maybe he'll die at the end that was my expectation mm-hmm. so then when they do the mission and then they get caught behind enemy lines. I was like, this is amazing. When he didn't so die, fun, I was dude. so glad. I was so glad. And then they steal the jet. And then they steal the jet on foot. Yes. I was like, th- I was like, this is the fucking like best third act of a movie I can remember in a long time. I was just so giddy. We we saw it at IMAX mm-hmm. um, and we were just smiling the whole time. It was so much fun. I adore yeah. it. I've never fist pumped in a movie before. I think I fist pumped like 15 times <laughs> yeah. during Top Gun Maverick. I yeah. swear to God. I was like, let's go. I, I was like, whenever one of, the, one of them got saved, I was like, yeah, let's go. The opening sequence, just like the original on yeah. the deck of the of the ships, because we loved Top Gun, the first one. Yeah. It's such a great movie. We grew up watching it so much because we have older brothers. So like we love 80s movies and Top Gun is just near and dear to our heart. And then like, when this movie came out, holy fuck, man. I was so juiced. Dude, it's one of those movies that makes you realize why you love movies. Exactly. Yeah. You know? It has so much it had so much heart. I was yeah. shocked how emotional it was because I was I cried twice, but the so the sequence from when he gets uh, put on the mission by John Hamm, and then he goes to Penny to basically they don't show the dialogue, but we can assume he told her that he's on this mission tomorrow morning and it might be the last time they see each other, and like they're holding each other on the beach. And then the music, the strings are playing. 
And then it cuts to him on, on the ship. And then he's just standing silhouetted and then rises up. I was just like, you're where I you're get, supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, I was, I was, I was crying. I was like, this is so fucking good. <laughs> it wasn't even the action sequences. I was like, this is so fucking moving. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, it was, like, Gun. it was way more emotional than I expected. Yeah. Cause like with the original Top Gun, like to me, like, they didn't like invest in the relationships and the emotional side was, of that it movie. Got a little cheesy. This one, yeah. When Goose died, yeah, it's sad. Yeah, but it wasn't. It. I didn't feel. I. I didn't cry when I saw Goose die. It was yeah. sad, but like with this, I was like crying. It was so, and especially when Val Kilmer showed up, yeah, I was dude, weeping. Yeah. Hollywood yeah. still knows how important that movie is because we were in Hollywood a couple weeks ago, and we hadn't. Been yeah, there we've in a been. While. We've been to Hollywood, but like, like driving <laughs> down Sunset, and you see how many billboards there are now. There's always been a lot of like mm -hmm. movie and TV billboard advertisements going down. Sunset. Oh, you're talking Sunset, yeah, yeah, Sunset Boulevard. But man, there are there are so many. Like it's hard. It's, it's, it's unsafe to drive. Yeah. You're just like, holy shit, billboard, billboard, billboard. Yeah, and there's still. A Top Gun Maverick billboard that's there. It doesn't even say Top Gun Maverick on it. It's just a great sunset shot of him with, on the motorcycle with the the uh, plane taking off next to him. And all it says is, believe in movies. It's like, You're Fuck right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Sun, Let's go. <laughs> that movie came out a year ago. Yeah. They still have a billboard. I remember it doesn't even say yeah. the title of the movie. It just says, believe in movies again. Oh, my God. You're right. Because that's how important Top Gun Maverick is. I don't care what anyone yeah. says if they think it's just like a stupid action movie. It's, like, mm -hmm. it's so much bigger than that. It is yeah. it's still my number one of the year. And it's like my favorite. It's in my top fifty all time. Whoa! And there's very few like new movies I'll put there. Like yeah. Parasites in there. Talk on Mavericks in there too. <laughs> Dune is probably in there too. Those, I, uh, Dune's definitely in there. In my you. favorites, not like the best all time, uh -huh. but like because it's tough to. I, I try not to like gauge that with like a new movie if I love it so much. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. I need to sit on it for years, like all these other movies. Well, so I think it's fine to say it's one of your favorites of all time. But what I think I hear a lot is people saying this is the best ever, or like this is the best superhero movie ever, or like this is the best something ever, like right out of the theater. And it's like, I like to at least give it a few watches, whatever the film is, over a period of a few years before I can determine, compared to old films and compared to movies, I try to watch as many films from the past as well. And then I'll be like, I can gauge this, I can judge it. Is it really one of the best ever, in my opinion? Then I'll be like, okay, this is one of the best ever. But I feel like nowadays it's like, best ever! Just leaving the theater. Best thing I've ever seen in my life. I think I've heard it like seven times yeah. in the last year, like last eighteen months. Yeah, like that on Twitter and TikTok is like yeah. greatest ever, greatest this ever, greatest that mm -hmm. ever. It's like, let's, hold on, like, let's <laughs> get, relax, guys. Pump the brakes, pump relax. The brakes. Have you Dude. seen a movie before two thousand eight? Like I know Iron Man's cool, but like they made movies before that. <laughs> Bro, I remember my first tweet after watching No Way Home. My first tweet. I was just like, Spider-Man Knowing Home is the greatest film of all time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now where do you put it? Where, where do you rank it now? Still the best um, ever. <laughs> it's my personal favorite superhero That's great. movie. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Of it's all a great time. fucking time. Um, but I would say Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man. I would say Into yeah. the Spider-Verse is the best like comic book film of all time. Oh, that's yeah. a good pick. It's, that's that's, that's yeah. a really creative film, and it hit all the right beats. I thought I really... I, I walked in that movie not knowing what to expect, and it was just it blew me away. It's a fantastic. Yeah. I love No Way Home. I saw it yeah. three times. I started an outdoor movie too, as well, and I I lost the costume contest to a dog. <laughs> so a dog. A dog well, so did, so he did. A, it was like uh, I didn't want to do yeah. it. I went with uh in the next of mine. We both wore Spider Man masks, yeah. but she was too afraid to wear hers, so she took it off when she found out there was a costume contest. <laughs> we didn't know there was gonna be a contest. And then I, I just had mine on. I had Spider-Man 3, the black suit on. Mm -hmm. And like, <laughs> the guy's like, hey, do you want, he's like going around the crowd with the mic. He's like, do you want to be in the costume contest? I'm like, 
sure, I can't see a thing, but okay. Yeah. And then there's also a dog, and then like a four year old boy who was so excited to be there. Everyone voted for the dog. Dude, and like the boy I lost. I get you don't want to vote for me. And everyone no. like he's like, what mask are you? I'm like, I'm wearing the Spider Man three symbiote mask, and everyone's like, boo. <laughs> that's, your, that's your bully Maguire moment. Oh like, my bro, god, this mask is sick. Fuck off. They booed you. Wow. Yeah. Not like Damn. some people booed me. Yeah. <laughs> then the kid lost. It was really the kid lost to the dog. That's and so I'm like, sad. I'm that's like, so that's fucked up. I want to take the so mic and be sad. like, you really got, you gave the gift card to the dog. Really? Because yeah, it was a reward, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a prize. Free movies for like a year. Oh my god! Free, uh, outdoor movies for that a year. kid's still Damn. he's still getting over the trauma. I feel of bad. To I mean, a, dogs a dog. are really cute, and the dog did look. But cute. the dog can't use a gift card, and the dog's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do we want dogs in movie theaters? Don't so they, you? Yeah. Gave the owner money. <laughs> Don't you want the kid to get all excited and win and like have I thought the, the kid make was it the best win. day ever for that kid? I thought this it was a like, sure win. For a dog, every day is the best day ever, so it doesn't really matter. He didn't even know he was dressed up as Spider Man. He did not consent to the Spider-Man costume. He did not consent. <laughs> do you have any pets? I do. I have two dogs. Retrievers. Oh, nice. Yeah. You have retrievers? Two, two golden retrievers, oh, man. They're so cute. They're Dude, the best. The best. They're like the two sweetest big dog. babies. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so they, nice. they they can't hurt a what soul. What are their names? Uh, Coda and Thor. Oh, nice. Great names. Yeah. Great names. Thor. Thor's Anthony's favorite. Yeah, uh, I always liked Thor the best, you guys. Really? Yeah, I always did. In the MCU? Yeah, in the MCU, yeah. What'd you think of Love and Thunder? Uh, he's not the best anymore. <laughs> right now, if I was going to pick my favorite MCU character currently, yeah, I might go... I would go Gamora. She's pretty fucking really? sick. She's great. She's great. I'd okay. go Spider-Man. Probably Spidey. Mm -hmm. If they make... If he's back, you yeah. know, we'll see. But also, Peter Quill still is great. Yeah, I'd, I'd, go, I'd go Spider-Man mm. or uh, Matt Murdock. Yeah, he's oh, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a fan favorite. Big Charlie Cox fan. You guys, well, Marvel's kind of all over the place right now. Oh, lots of, you want to get into Marvel? Lots of controversies. Yeah. But I mean, we yeah. have Guardians of the Galaxy 3 coming out, which yeah. should be really good. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I love the first two. Yeah. I really, I like the second one a lot. Mm -hmm. um, the first one's great as well, but I'm, I'm really excited about the third one. But I mean, everything happening with Jonathan Majors in the background. Was, oh, yeah. The controversies also, also shifted. Like, I, we still don't really want to t talk about it too much because i'm still waiting for all the information because at first we heard mm -hmm. it was an assault but then we heard that he's the one that called the police so what's going on with jonathan majors in the mcu and what is going to happen going forward because even if it comes out that he was not at fault and he didn't do anything wrong it's still going to follow his career it's going to be it's still like a cloud yeah, yeah it's still yeah. there even though yeah. even if he, it comes out he didn't do anything i'm not saying he didn't because yeah. we don't know all the information yet yeah. but it's it's crazy what mc what's happening to the mcu right now yeah it's, yeah. it's it's a weird situation and dc has just been dealing with it with ezra miller obviously and the way they've because we were people kept asking us do you think they're just going to cut the flash we're like no they have too much money mm -hmm. invested in this it's 350 million dollar production with all the reshoots and probably extra visual effects well i think that's the main difference though yeah. real quick is they've are, they already shot yeah, most the, of the flash that's, that's yeah. what i'm saying like they, they sunk 300 million dollars yeah. in production to that that's what i'm saying they can't they can't just not release the flash they have to release it it's if they don't make money off of that that's going to really affect the company going forward yeah. so you're talking people could lose jobs they might have to cut people like a that, several thousand jobs if a movie like that just gets cut off the slate and they make no money off of it so it has to come out um, so, so the way they're working around that is just not to have Ezra Miller do any press whatsoever. No interviews, no red carpets, no articles, no photo shoots, nothing at all. I think that's the best um, direction to go forward with that. The thing with the MCU, they're in a very different situation where it's unfolding and yeah. we don't really know all the information. I'm sure the higher-ups at Disney and Marvel have more information than the public does, 
but I assume that Jonathan Majors and his team and the and the um, victim and their team are waiting to divulge more information. So it's we'll find out in the coming weeks, but I don't see anytime soon getting any information. But it's going to be a difficult thing to deal with regardless of if it turns out that he did nothing wrong or if he mm-hmm. did do something wrong. It'll still be difficult going forward for them. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, there's just not enough information out there for to really for any of us in the general public to yeah. come up with like a consensus yeah. on how we feel about it. Um, but yeah, with that, it's diff- it, I would say it's really different from the Ezra Miller situation because mm. with that, you know, the movie was already shot. It's already done. You have three three hundred fifty million dollars that you need to get out there somehow to just make some sort of profit or just make your money back. Um, and the the Flash is like a movie that ends everything. So <laughs> they could just recast Barry Allen moving forward for the new DCU, which which is they'll probably do that because if they're recasting Cavill, in my opinion. Clean house, mm-hmm. recast Affleck. Agreed. Godot. Yeah, it's the best like, way to go. Once you once you recast Henry Cavill as Superman, which everyone loves, regardless of how you feel about like you know Batman versus Superman, Man of Steel, regardless about how you feel about those movies, everyone loves Henry Cavill as Superman. So if you're gonna recast him, just start completely fresh without any of the drama from the old regime, from the old universe, and then boom, clean slate. Rip the Band-Aid off. I would say that DC is in a better situation going forward, and not even counting the Jonathan Major's stories, but in terms of what they have going forward with their potential, whereas the MCU and Marvel, I think they really need to make some big changes with how they're approaching their storytelling now because obviously too much content has kind of backfired on them in terms of the quality has gone down, and audiences are coming to less and less movies for the, for the MCU, and the last several releases were not great performers, Ant-Man 3 is a huge, like, I think $450 million and it's topped out. It, so it's yeah, a huge it, loss. Wakanda it, Forever was really the only big success. Mm-hmm. That made um, a couple hundred million yeah. profit. Dude, for Ant-Man 3, which is like, the they marketed it as the opening of Phase 5. You have Kang the Conqueror, who's the next face of the MCU. This is his movie. For that movie to make less money than the first Ant-Man film is insane that's it's oh my god you're right the first ant-man made like 600 uh i think it was like 500 600 yeah that's and i think that they really need to change the direction and really focus on less is more yeah i think that there's just been too many things to watch i think disney in general disney plus in general like i lost interest in the star wars shows and i lost interest in the mcu shows because i like to watch other things (laughs) and if you want to watch all of their content that's basically all you're gonna watch so i just got I just got very selective with what I was watching. And then I just, I didn't even watch many of their TV shows. I watched a couple. We did WandaVision. We did um, Oscar Isaac's show, Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Um, and then there's another show I think we watched. I can't remember. I mean, Mandalorian. Mandalorian, but I, yeah. I, I haven't even finished yeah. season three. I've, I've just lost interest in that as well. And those mm. ratings are as low as Boba Fett. So like Dude, Disney yeah. Plus in general, they have a quality issue, which they've been admitting. Bob Iger said mm-hmm. we have to focus on quality over quantity because clearly they've been focusing on quantity over quality. And they also just fired, obviously, Victoria Alonso last week. Mm-hmm. And then they just fired Ike Perlmutter. I think that was today. Yeah. He was the Marvel Entertainment chairman. And he's the guy who sold Marvel to Disney in 2009. And he got fired? He got fired today. Yeah. Oh, my God. So they're cleaning up house because they they still haven't fired the 7,000 total employees that they said they're going to do when I- Iger came back. Mm-hmm. He's cutting 7,000 jobs, $3.5 billion out of the movie and TV budget. So that's for why Disney. For Disney uh-huh. Plus. For Disney in general. Mm-hmm. So it's just a Disney problem in general. Same thing with Star Wars where – 
you know, Mandalorian was the flagship show or yeah. property for Star Wars, but now that show is doing worse than Boba Fett, barely baby Boba and, Fett numbers. Dude, and that Man. was like the big attraction. That was the big attraction to Disney Plus. Yeah. Like Disney Plus hasn't really gotten their footing when it comes to original content for the platform. That's why they've kind of just been relying on Marvel and Star Wars to keep it up. I'm hoping they really knock it out of the park with the Percy Jackson show. Mm-hmm. Really, oh, right. Yeah. I have really high hopes for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, for the Mandalorian season three, for the ratings to be that low, it just shows that. I mean, I think they really messed up when it came to reuniting Grogu and Din in the Book of Boba Fett. Like, that made no sense to me. Yeah, it was, I mean, I thought that bringing Grogu back was a mistake. They should have just made it just Mandalorian. They got to let Din just stand. Mando, yeah. The joke's own. over. Yeah. Like, it, like, when I was watching we the, watched first the first episode, episode and I was like, like it's, it's, it's same the same, same jokes over and over again. Like, Grogu's cute. He's eating food. He's popping his head up. It's adorable, yeah, but it's yeah. like... Can I get something something different? I also think when it came to the first two seasons, like the entire overall story was revolved around Grogu. Where where does he come from? Or you know what's going to happen with this child? They were that they already came to like the ultimate climax, which was Luke Skywalker freaking yeah, showing up in the most it. badass way, and then Grogu going to train with Luke. But now that like they literally just gave uh, Grogu and then re- reunited super fast, and now kind of like. They're they're trying to shift the focus of the short towards uh, Mandalore and the entire lore behind the Mandalorians and stuff. And multiple Mandalorians versus just uh-huh. Din, who's exactly. the star. Yeah, that's your character. That's your Luke Skywalker right yeah. now. And they just kind of become kind of a dude, side character. Yeah, he's, yeah, it's like a co-leading role now. Because I saw the there's the third episode. I didn't watch it, but I saw that it's basically about two characters on uh, their own. Basically, I mean, Bo-Katan has like a huge role in this season, uh-huh. and she's like, you know, she's doing her thing, which is like badass and whatever. But, um. Yeah, I haven't even seen the last few episodes. Yeah, I, I gave up after the first one. But I think I do think that Percy Jackson show, I I think it's a mistake to make it a show. I think it's better to Dude. go film, to go in theaters. Well, actually, I think the show format mm-hmm. fits the, the story better. Like, it's better to adapt the story. It's like saying, like, you know, it's like saying making uh, – could you make Game of Thrones a movie franchise? Like you okay. really can't. I've never know? read the book, so they, it can be pretty in, intense lore and like yeah. a lot to it. Yeah, like it's definitely fit for like a TV adaptation, okay. like a streaming adaptation. But at the same time, like I don't think there's really been like a standout standout show. Have you guys checked out Andor? I haven't, I haven't watched I haven't, that yet. No, yeah, um, yeah, yeah I never watched that. Is good. Yeah. But I'm well, yeah. so I'm thinking. So Apple just released a new story the other day that. Apple TV is now committing to releasing their films in theaters first. Yeah. So t- they're going to make uh, 12 feature films that they produce each year are going to come out in theaters, like a mm-hmm. traditional theatrical release, and then they'll go on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, the best way to go as a streaming service because they've realized that, you know, you make a lot of money at the box office at theaters for sure. But then also that gets people excited for whatever the film is. Word of mouth, like we were talking everything ever all at once. That spread like wildfire because of word of mouth because Mm -hmm. and i saw that opening weekend and i went to gym i was like dude you gotta see this movie i went to a bunch of my friends like you gotta see everything ever all at once i even made like a little i made like a little 10 minute spoiler free review of it Uh just to post here on the podcast i was like go see this movie whenever it's playing keep an eye out for when it spreads out to more theaters across the country but go watch this movie asap and then that movie ended up making over 100 million dollars <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> so I think that Apple TV, that's a great direction for them to approach their theatrical releases because they haven't really had much motivation for even me to even get their app. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want Apple TV. Like, why? So mm-hmm. even though they have cool shows, I mean, yeah. Severance is awesome, but yeah, like, Severance I'm not going to subscribe just for one show. So they've realized that, you know, the theaters and having a successful release and popular release in a theater 
that gets people really excited. And then you can still have the movie on your streaming app for the rest of time, like forever. Yeah. It'll be on Apple TV, but let's just wait like three months, get into theaters for a little bit, get people to see it, make an extra 500 million, even a billion, depending on what the film is. Mm -hmm. And then you can get them to subscribe to your film if they really enjoy it. And also like, I like to watch movies again. I get more interested in a film if I see it in the theater and it's like an event thing. You remember it better rather than like, it's like 10, 8, 10 p.m. in bed and you put something on Netflix. I'm more likely to remember if I see it in theaters or in like IMAX. Like that's a really important memory as a movie going experience. And then I'm more likely to rent it on Amazon or watch it on HBO Max because I remember I fucking loved that movie because I saw it in theaters and it was so cool. Rather than I think that the rewatch value of films that come out only on streaming not as high as theatrical releases. Uh, Apple's doing Killers of the Flower Moon, right? Yeah, yeah, they're producing it, yeah. But Marty's making sure it's theatrical release. You can't put that shit on stream. You no cannot. way, man. That's a, no, no way. way. Especially Marty? Yeah, it's supposed to be incredible, <laughs> too. Obviously, it's Marty, but Leo is the first movie by Scorsese. He said it was a masterpiece, I believe. Yeah, DiCaprio called it a masterpiece yeah. to his uh, hair makeup person. Mm -hmm. And she said she said in an, article, in an interview, he's ne she's never heard him say that before. And he's made some great movies, dude. That's that's, that, that's that that one story right there is getting people in seats. Yeah. it's a crazy story. If anyone's ever read the book, have you I, read the book? I haven't, but oh I know like God. the I know like the premise of it. It's, it's pretty insane. wild. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I recommend if you don't read often, at least check out the audiobook, or maybe you can find like a quick documentary on YouTube because, or actually, maybe you don't want to spoil it then. But if you read the book or audiobook, that'll prepare you for the movie because it's a wild story. And I think it's a really important story to tell. I'm really excited to see what they do for the big three team. hours. Yeah, it's gonna be three hours. I hope maybe that guy will ask him about it seventeen. Three hours? hours? Uh, so no, no intermission. Do I need an intermission? <laughs> I'm gonna go home and watch seventeen hours of TV, anyways. But uh, you know, I have a problem Dude. with this being three hours. You got so mad, you made a tweet of that guy. I did make a tweet. I said, imagine interviewing Matt Damon and you ask him about the runtime of Oppenheimer for three times. It's like, who the fuck are you? Dude, what this you is why they, this is why they need people like you guys. Yeah, exactly, bro. And it, let the fans win. Exactly. Like, we ask good questions. Well, we got Sholo and Angel last week, so maybe we can get some more. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Keep it rolling. We don't get very that many red carpet uh, invites though we haven't gotten like i'm a, just happy to see early screenings yeah. the early screenings are great yeah yeah, yeah. And still, we also we saw the blue beetle suit in person too dude it looks it's legit pretty awesome. bro it's i saw really a picture cool. of someone who went to that event uh -huh. that suit looks amazing i'll show it to you oh, like, someone posted uh, it uh no like it was just a friend of mine okay, that gotcha. went and then he showed me a gotcha. picture because yeah. that suit looks so good dude. yeah and we can't it, put it on screen sorry everybody yeah, yeah. bro in a day and age where like everything's so cgi in superhero movies it's all practical all practical yeah all practical they built that the is thing. beautiful yeah they, and they even said and uh they did a q a after they showed the trailer before we talked to them mm -hmm. individually but they did a like a 20 minute q a and they said he was like i didn't wear a leotard with dots on it i really wore this suit the whole time Dude. it's great they're I, so nice too oh my yeah. god they're so sweet sholo is like one of the nicest people ever he seemed so grateful to be there and was mm -hmm. so nice with everybody because there was like a swarm of people we all got like two to five minutes with them to chat after the q a and they were him and on hell. They were just really nice guys to talk to. Yeah, yeah it was great. It was great. Yeah, I think that's going to be a huge hit for DC. I think I really so do. too. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it's not going to be a billion dollars. Obviously, it's the first film of that mm -hmm. franchise. Most people don't know the character, but I think that it can make a healthy half billion and then it'll set it up to make a billion for its sequel. Yeah, like The Flash is the movie that kind of has that weight on it where it, that movie needs to make money. Yeah. It, needs a, it needs at least a bill. I think it. I think that once people see more footage of Michael Keaton, because they're going to release, I'm sure, a second tra a new trailer soon with more Michael Keaton. For sure. Because they just showed the tease of him saying, I'm Batman. Yeah. That got people, people's heads were exploding during the Super Bowl from that. But I think that... I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I think when people see more Keaton in the next trailer they release, it's going to get people very excited, especially people like us. Uh, we, when, when we were kids... 
we would watch the original the so Batman Batman Returns all the time on VHS. So mm-hmm. we for when we were kids, Michael Keaton was our Batman. Val Kilmer, we watched the Val Kilmer one, we watched the Clooney one, but we always I always thought of Michael Keaton as Batman until Christian Bale's Batman. So for a lot of people, Michael Keaton is still their guy. And so I think that yeah. a lot of people who might not have turned out to the Flash, now that they know that Keaton's in it and has a lot of screen time, they'll be there. I also think word of mouth is going to do yes. wonders for that movie. The fact that they're debuting it at CinemaCon, that that right there, people are going to be talking about this movie, you know, uh, all through May, mm-hmm. through like the first couple of weeks of June. When's it come then, out? Uh, June 16th. June 16th. Okay. So it's got it's got competition, man. June is such a stacked month. Yeah, June's going to be awesome. But I mean, for other movies that have to make a lot of money, like obviously we don't know what the budget of The Flash is, but we can assume it's probably $500 million. With all the reshoots and all the new things they've had to do, it's probably up there. Plus with the marketing, that's probably a total of $500 million movie, maybe the most expensive movie ever. But Indy 5, Disney needs that movie to make a billion too because they've put a ton of extra money into that film as well. That's super over budget, super over time. It's at 380 right now. That's what we know of. That's what we know of. Reported 380, so that's a lot. And then when they ramp up the marketing campaign, because that's coming out in, in June, Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. June thirtieth. Yeah, so end of the month. Oh wow! So that's Holy they shit. need that movie to make a bill because they've sunk so much money into it. But it's, it's so interesting that they they Disney Plus canceled the indie show that they were going to put on the, on Disney yeah. Plus. So clearly they're probably changing some things in the edit. Probably I'm assuming because that's probably why they canceled that show. I'm assuming the show is going to follow. Phoebe Waller Bridges character uh, Helena. That's what I'm guessing. That has to have been. So it. maybe they changed the ending of the movie where maybe she was going to be the the hero at the end. Maybe Indy dies and she's like replaced him or something like that. And that's why they can the show now. They're changing the ending. I don't know. Just speculating. But there are so many rumors of a ton of reshoots for that movie. And the thing the thing with Indy is they have never been like MCU DC level successes. Yeah. Like the last Indy made seven hundred. So they they're not billion dollar movies. Yeah. I don't see Indy 5 making a billion, even though I'm really looking forward to it. Trailer looks fantastic. James Mangold is an awesome director. I love Phoebe Waller-Bridges because I love I love her show Fleabag and Killing Eve. Uh, so I'm excited to see it. I just don't see uh, young people interested in Indiana Jones. Especially but, with such a stacked month, man. Yeah. You got into Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That's coming out in June too. June 2nd. Holy sh- People are going to rewatch the hell out of that. Dude, yeah. Re- and from what I've heard, it's on par if not better than the first one. That's sick. Which is like crazy to even fathom because like the first one is so already yeah. so good. I mean, they a, got so many spider people in it now. So many spider yeah. people in it, bro. Um, We got a new trailer coming for that pretty soon too. Um, So yeah, you got Across the Spider-Verse. You got uh Pixar's new film, Elemental. That comes out June 16th as well, lo- alongside The Flash. You got Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Which, Rise of the Beasts. <laughs> that comes out on June 9th. Oh my God, June's crazy. Insane. Dude, uh, and the Transformers franchise, they, those films have always made a they shit always ton make of a billion. Money. They make bank. a billion. They make bank. Yeah. Like even the last one, which was like really just hated by everyone, it still made a lot of money. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the Fast, fast movies. And the yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the Fast. Like and the who sees movies. these things over and over again? <laughs> the, the Fast Nine made a billion dollars. What? Yeah, right. Yeah. So even that's Hobbs yeah. And Shaw made a ba- a bunch of money. Uh-huh. That's a lot of big hits, like big studio movies coming out pretty close to each other. Like they're, but then they're like. So like Asteroid City, Wes Anderson's new film, yeah, they just released a trailer today. That's that also coming, comes the 16th, yeah, right? That comes out the 23rd, but like that's gonna make money because mm-hmm. it's a separate audience from uh, the move from Transformers: Rise of the Beast. <laughs> Different audience. So well, that movie is gonna be fine, and it doesn't need to make a billion dollars. But yeah, this is a really packed. 
uh, June. You also have uh, that Jennifer uh, Lawrence rom com, No Hard Feelings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That comes out. Yeah. That comes out in June. Uh, Strays. A24 is dropping Past Lives, which I don't know if you guys heard about that one. That one's like, that one did crazy at Sundance. And uh, yeah, it's like, that one's going to be, I think, an award contender for that sure. That Jennifer Lawrence movie. Oh, I saw it. Yeah, the first I time this. I saw the trailer, I thought it was really funny. Then I thought about it and I saw it the second time. I'm like, this is kind of a creepy concept. Dude. <laughs> it's kind of a creepy concept. Yeah. Date the, <laughs> you want me to date the hell out I'm of still, yeah. I'm still going to watch the movie because I, I love, I love like, um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of studios are afraid to make movies like that nowadays. The raunchy yeah, movies. I love like raunchy humor. Yeah, oh, raunchy, raunchy, yeah. Raunchy, raunchy humors. Uh, raunchy comedies. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch. I yeah. also love Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, so, she's like, great. She's fantastic. Because, I mean, we love, we grew up on American Pie and yeah. Euro Trip, like all those crazy movies. <laughs> Obviously, super Van ridiculous. Wilder. Van Wilder. Like Ryan Reynolds and Van Wilder. Oh, my God. It's, that was his career-making role, man. I think I've had these before. <laughs> Have you ever seen Van Wilder? No. He plays uh, a frat guy, basically, or like a frat leader. He's like a guy who's been at college for like too long, but he's like the coolest guy on campus. Uh-huh. And Tara reads like the love interest. She's a journalist, and it's like about him becoming like a man and growing up and like leaving college finally. But like he is so funny, but raunchy and disgusting at the same time. But it's like oh, I wish I was that guy in college. It, <laughs> it, it catapulted his career. That was the big one for yeah, him as was, a lead. It was like was... with um Chris Evans in in not another. Teen, teen movie, <laughs> kind of like that kind of role. JD Briggs, glasses and a ponytail. You ever seen that one? <laughs> no, oh, dude, not another dude, teen movie. Watch great. not another teen movie. It's way better than Van not, Wilder. Not yeah. another teen movie. Not, not another. another te- yeah, yeah. definitely great. heard of it. I just never got around. It's, to watch. Is that Chris Evans' first movie? No, it's one. It's his first major role though, the first leading role. But yeah. he, it's he's great. It's a great. It's an. It's a spoof movie of teen movies mm-hmm. from, from the, the 80s, 80s, from the 80s and 90s. But it's really good. It's really well done. It, it is absolutely hysterical. But he played uh, Chris Evans plays like a dumb jock football player. Oh. But it's so good. He's hilarious, and you gotta make that your next movie to watch. Not another team movie. Okay. I couldn't recommend it enough. It's still to this day so funny. Yeah, they, they roast uh, Varsity Blues real hard, and yeah. that's an old football. The John movie. Hughes movies. They yeah. roast all of the John Hughes <laughs> it's movies. It's so yeah, funny. It's great. I love it. I love old comedies because comedy is such a dying genre. They don't really come out that often anymore. That's why I'll see the Jennifer Lawrence movie for sure. And then um, Stephanie Hsu has a raunchy R-rated comedy that coming out too. So yeah. I, it seems like the raunchy humor is kind of coming back with studios. They're not afraid to take risks anymore. Dude, also uh, Nancy Myers, $150 million rom-com. Oh, damn. Like that's unheard of. Dude, yeah, it's it's starring Scarlett Johansson, uh, Michael Fassbender, Owen Wilson. What? Whoa, let me look this uh, up. Warner Brothers just bought it. Oh Nancy my God, Myers. Nancy Myers, an one hundred and fifty dollar uh, million dollar rom com. Is that based on a book or anything? Um, no, I think it's just an original script from Nancy Myers. Oh my God, that's so much. Mo- I mean, oh, so she wrote, the, she made the movie. Oh. Yeah, and yeah. they bought it. Uh, yeah, I it was gonna go on Netflix originally, but mm-hmm. Netflix it was just too expensive because. Yeah, that ha- yeah, I mean know. that happens a lot. The Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt that was actually supposed to be a Paramount theatrical release. Yeah, and then. They were losing money and they need. They were desperate to make some cheddar, so they sold it to Amazon. So Amazon bought the Tomorrow War, released it, did really well on Amazon. So then, and then they greenlit a sequel. So Paramount made the movie, but now they don't even own it anymore. So now Amazon owns it. Wow! So it's untitled. Yeah. Netflix, hundred thirty million dollars for the rom com A list cast, including them two. So Scarlett Johansson, Owen Wilson, Michael Fassbender, Penelope Cruz. Holy crap! That's I'm already insane. on board. Already on board. $130 million to buy a movie? That's absurd. Netflix has the money. 
It's bro. like Arby's. We got the meats. Yeah, bro. We got the money. They're dropping <laughs> stacks. <laughs> oh, the cost. No, no, I'm sorry. The movie cost. So they they just funded it. I'm, they didn't buy it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So it cost 130 million. I mean, still for a rom com to be that. Expensive. That's insane. That's it must crazy. be really funny and really good, especially for that many A-listers in a movie or in a, yeah. a rom com. That's absurd. Or comedy. That's how they got the green light for that much money because of having the A-listers. I guarantee sure. they got the actors on board. And then the studio Netflix was like, okay, we'll give you 130 million to get these actors on a movie on our on our app. I love yeah. comedy, man. The genre is just it's just dying. I love Game Night that came out what 2017. Yes. The guy who yeah. made Dungeon and Dragons, mm -hmm. those guys wrote Game Night and one of them directed Game Night. But uh besides that, it's just been a stretch thin genre. Yeah. I like having them. like just ensemble casts. With the thing the is, yeah, actors. like you had a gr you have a great point where he, you you basically said comedy has found its way into comic book movies where they are the comedies now. Mm -hmm. Like an MCU movie is generally like the funniest movie of the year, where it used to be like it was just a comedy was the funniest movie of the year. You know, like a, yeah. the next Will Ferrell movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Will Ferrell is still making movies, but he lost his he lost his magic. I think a little bit hit or miss these days. Yeah, very hit, hit or miss. miss. But like yeah. I do miss when it was like just like you know. Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights, or like just Anchorman, like mm -hmm. or, or old school Step Brothers, like just so many like great like Judd Apatow movies, all the movies they made. Like this is the end is an amazing comedy. Like yeah. I miss those, but now the comedy genre has kind of morphed into the comic book genre to add. But like I mean, like the last few Spider Man movies are like some of the funniest movies of like the last few years. Like they mm -hmm. have such great comedy, and it kind of eliminated like the need for just comedy movies. I think. Yeah, it's like kind of just caught or just blockbusters in general that are trying to yeah, like exactly yeah be like a subgenre yeah in a Dungeons way. is like that it yeah very much like Uncharted mm -hmm. was like that Uncharted if it didn't have so many great one-liner jokes would have not been a great watch because I think I, I was pretty disappointed by that movie because did you see it yeah, yeah. and they could have they gotta stop doing these goddamn origin stories just give them the guns origin in the movie give them the guns make them <laughs> he got the holsters literally yeah. like with five minutes left of the movie <laughs> the ships are crashing it's like finally but still tom holland looks weird with guns in his hand i'm sorry i, I love him as spider-man but like tom holland and guns not really working for well, me well because nathan drake because i i played some of one of the games and i was mm -hmm. like and i played it for like a few hours and i was like they got tom holland to play this guy he's like <laughs> brawny big like nathan billion was guy. ready he yeah. was born for that yeah. role no, tom holland's a super talented guy but i just when I saw when I played the game, I was like, I don't understand why they cast him as this role. But that movie, it could have been like a great franchise builder, like a, a next kind of Indiana Jones kind of franchise adventure mm -hmm. series. And what they really hid the poor quality of the script with all these one-liners that Mark Wahlberg says that whole movie. He was making me crack up the whole time. But then like after the movie, I'm like, if he wasn't having all those one-liners, that would have been a tough movie to watch. Mm -hmm. Because the, the action sequences mm -hmm. were solid. Some of them were kind of ridiculous. But... If they didn't, like, it's just like these one-liners that they think that we need to have. And I love to laugh at the movies, but I think a lot of students think that, you, we, oh, we have to have 25 one-line jokes in there for the audience to be happy. It's like, you don't need that in a movie, especially yeah. if you want to make a good one. Yeah. So Dungeons & Dragons, I had a really good time and I really liked the film. And it was so funny and I enjoyed it. But I will say, it kind they kind of strayed away from even approaching any drama or any like meaningful conflict because... Even if something serious happened, there was going to be a joke within 10 seconds. So it was like, there it doesn't have to be funny constantly. And mm -hmm. I, I think that a lot of, maybe they're approaching it too much where we constantly need to be making the audience laugh like every minute. Where I yeah. think that it's okay to have like 10 minutes of like good drama or conflict. We don't need to be cracking jokes the entire runtime. Yeah, letting scenes breathe. Exactly, yeah. So I, I, I really like Dungeons, but I do feel like it, it was like, 
too funny the whole time. You know, it kind of takes away any serious tone whatsoever. But it's still great. Yeah, yeah. There were some moments in there. I, I like the first moment that comes to mind is when they were on the beach and he was like, "I'm the I'm the king of failures." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then like they're like. There's no space on the rock. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, want to spoil it, but I, the reggae scene where he's walking in the straight line. That was, that was <laughs> yeah. good. No, is he yeah, going yeah. to go around it? Oh, nope. He's going to go right on top of it. Of course he is. It's like it's like the studios are watching the audience with like the infrared cameras. and like They're not laughing or reacting. <laughs> we, we need to add some more things to make them react. It's like they're just watching the fucking movie. Yeah. Like, let them watch the movie. That's a good, that's a good I wonder, point. I wonder how like test screenings work for like comedies. Like because they're definitely looking oh, for laughs yeah. and reactions. So, like, imagine, like, testing a movie and just no one laughs the whole time. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's nothing worse than a comedy that isn't funny. And plus, there's yeah. a ton of jokes that probably they have to cut that don't that hit don't the audience. Like, especially mm -hmm. the guys who improvise, like, especially the Will Ferrell movies and all those comedies. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that they have, like, a hundred jokes that end up on the floor because they did not land with the test audience. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But I would still love to hear. <laughs> well, I mean, some of the – there's uh, an Anchorman 2 extended scene and. Will Ferrell's some of the funniest lines I've ever seen him said are in that deleted scene, but they're just fucking ridiculous. But it's just in Paul Rudd's like dying of laughter during the take. <laughs> it's so funny. It's online. You gotta watch it. It's it killed me. You know what I me. love? I love when uh I love when comedies have like bloopers in the credits. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's just like improv takes of them just po continuing to pop yeah. off. Jackie Chan movies. They were always they always finished with a credit roll of bloopers and outtakes mm -hmm. of failed stunts. Or just like them flubbing lines, and it was always like one of the best aspect of Jackie. Filled the fish. Filled the fish. Filled the fish. What kind of fish is this? Filled the fish. fish. <laughs> it was. It was always a blast. It was like just five minutes of the entire theater just cracking up at all of the mess ups. It was great. I love those. There's another MCU movie coming out this year. I mean, Sony movie coming out this yeah. year. Another superhero that I'm wondering: Are they going to start releasing a trailer or images soon? Craven the Hunter is supposed to come out in October. This year? This year. Yeah, yeah this year. Haven't this seen October. a trailer, what? image, nothing. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder if they're going to wait till after June for all these movies to be released, but they got to start marketing that soon. I'm guessing... Dude. Well, you said Spider-Verse comes out in June? Uh, Yes, June they'll, 2nd. They'll show a trailer before that. It's Drop Sony. a little teaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They Sony, have to. If they have it's, to. That's a Sony release, so it'll be, there'll be a trailer on that. Craven sure. the Vegan Hunter. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> yeah. The Swede-wearing vegan... <laughs> It's pleather, fake leather. <laughs> like I don't even understand how how that would work. Like Craven being a vegan, because I'm not even a fan, and I I had a general awareness of the character, but then when I read their approach to this character, even I was like, come on, just make him a hunter of animals. Just not, just go. It's just, even the bad guys can't. It's be not. Bad it's guys. not going to make kids Bro. go like, I want to kill a lion. <laughs> I want to see his house and just heads of animals all over. Dealt his that. House. Dealt that. Character, you know. Man. Because I think I think Sony's gonna have a villain problem if they keep making the villains so empath empathized with the audience and like turning them into heroes. Because yeah. it's a Craven movie, but he's a villain to Spider Man. How are you gonna get them all and convince the audience that they're all gonna get together to go after Spider Man? But I mean, how can you top Morbius? It was just so Dude. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, what the? How that did how did Tyrese get up all those stairs so fast? <laughs> <laughs> Morbius flew. He turns Bro. around. Tyrese is behind him. It's like, with a what gun. The fuck? You're under arrest. I still don't get it. I still don't get that. Scene. <laughs> Dude, the no. fucking boat the fucking boat scene like, <laughs> who's driving this thing <laughs> everybody's Bro. dead what the fuck <laughs> I will never get over that post credit scene of Michael Keaton just appearing in a different universe oh my God. and saying I think Spider-Man has something to do with this <laughs> sounds interesting <laughs>
<laughs> I feel like Keaton doesn't even care. He's like, whatever, I'm getting Give me I'm the money. Dude, Keaton money. got done dirty, man. He was about to be the next Batman for the new DCEU. Oh, yeah, with the and, Batgirl? Yeah, yeah. They, they cut Batgirl. They canceled Batgirl. Uh. Uh, they reshot the ending of The Flash. So, like, now he's not, like, the new Batman. And now he's stuck with Morbius. <laughs> I want. <laughs> stuck, I, uh, stuck over I there. Hope, so I many. hope. I hope they make Morbius too. I really. I hope they do. I just want to see it. It's time. Morbius they gotta call it Morbid time. time. They, they have to call it. It's Morbid time. They have to call it that. <laughs> see, what, what, I, what I love is the studio thought people enjoyed it so much with the, with the <laughs> memes. They're like, oh, let's do a re-release, and the re-release bombed. They're like, I thought people liked it. <laughs> no, people like making fun of it. They just don't. They still don't get meme culture. They still don't get the yeah. social media. It seems just like. like Congress. <laughs> Does it have Wi-Fi? <laughs> The camera reads your eyes. Isn't that weird? <laughs> well, I'm just so curious about Craven the Hunter because Aaron Taylor Johnson's awesome. And if he's Bond, that would be so cool. But I'm just really curious about this movie. Also, Russell Crowe's in it. Is he really? Dude, really? he's in it. Russell Crowe's in it. Wow. He'll be the villain. I love I Russell Crowe. So the villain will have a villain. It'll also be the hero. Well, I mean, yeah, it's Morbius right there. Morbius. <laughs> I, I hope he dances like Matt Smith danced in Morbius. <laughs> that was the Jesus. best part of the movie. Like, poor Matt Smith, man. Oh, man. He held out on Super. He got, he got Targaryen, though. Yeah. yeah. He got House of the Dragon. Yeah. He he's crushed, better, he's crushing he House of the Dragon. Yo, did you guys see the House of the Dragon news yesterday? No. What was it? Um, Season two is going to be eight episodes mm. coming out summer 2024. And then they're planning on ending the show on a season three or season four. Wow, I'm down with that. I'm cool with that. I don't want... Yeah, uh, yeah I think... Because uh, we like the show called Succession. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. And they just started airing their final season, and it's only four seasons. So mm -hmm. it'll end at, at the end of four, season four, and I'm like, if the story is needs to be four seasons or three seasons, just don't stretch it out. If that's what's best, stick with that. So I'm happy with three seasons for House of the Dragon. No, yeah. George yeah. R. R. Martin said that like to in order to do that story justice, they would need four full seasons of 10 episodes each, and... That would, think, that's the only way to really do this. Yeah, I don't think justice. HBO can afford that. It's a, it's a very expensive show to make. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm cool with it. It's, I I wouldn't say I like it more than Game of Thrones yet, but I still think it's so well made because yeah. there's so many more characters in Game of Thrones versus mm -hmm. House of the Dragon has really just a handful that you really get to see. But like, I think Game of Thrones having what like 20 characters that a you really ensemble. are into but also that's the various locations you're always at new areas and environments and completely different geographies so i think the strength to game of thrones is how big in scope it is and obviously you can't it's hard to compare targaryen is so in its own bubble but i do think that it's game of thrones i don't think can be topped in terms of making a tv show about med medieval fantasy, I don't think that anyone can ever top Game of Thrones. Yeah, even including season eight, I think it's the greatest show of all time. Oh yeah, it's same. Up there. It's really good. I love. I like season eight. <laughs> I liked it. I didn't hate it at all, man. I thought the yeah. ending was great. No, yeah. actually, a lot of the people that like start watching the show uh, after it already aired, they just like binge the show all the way through season one through eight. They actually like love season eight. I I th I so honestly I thought really season is. eight was fucking sick. Honestly. They were hinting at her burning the city down. The whole show. They said it like four. She said it four times out loud. Like, I'll burn the whole city. Like, I'll burn it all down. Yeah. She, I'll burn the she kingdom saw, down. She saw the city burnt in a vision in season two. So, in the temple. So they were teasing it. Yeah. People, teasing I think it. people. Dude, it was, nah, it was just way too rushed. So, here, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't like how everybody blamed the showrunners. Um, DB Wise yeah. and what. I can't remember their names. So, the two guys. Because, first of all, what they did. They captured American culture and zeitgeist in a way that hadn't been done in a long time and they had and European and European yeah jeez man they they had tens of millions of people watching their show every Sunday it was so great so what they did was really special 
but you get a factor in. It's not like they were like twisting their mustaches on top of a tower, like we're only gonna do eight episodes, motherfuckers. <laughs> um, uh, one of the actors, the um actress who played um the queen for a couple of seasons, she married Joffrey. What's her friggin' name? Whatever her name is, uh, the Seriously? Tyrell. The ty- oh, um, Elena. No, no, she's not- in Hunger Games. Yeah, the Hunger Games girl. Natalie Dormer. Yeah, Dorman? Natalie yeah. Dorman. Yeah, Natalie Dorman. So she actually came out and she did an interview a few months ago, and she was saying like everybody blames the two showrunners, but nobody ever talks about like behind the scenes. Like a studio is in charge, and the studio is telling them how much money they can work with and how much money they can spend on each episode, how long this can be. But also, these actors, the lead actors, they worked on the show for ten years. They want to get out. You know, it's a long time. It shoots for several months. They can't do much else during the year. These shoots last most of the year. A lot of them are living on location, too. Yeah, living on location. Like, they want to do other things. So all Mm -hmm. these actors, they couldn't sign. They couldn't keep signing them to long contracts for 10 episode years. They had to cut them off. Like, these act, they could barely get these actors to sign on for season eight. That was a struggle to do eight more episodes. So it's they were really had their hands tied with how many episodes they can make of the final season. And so I think people never really think about the other side of it. It's not like they're happy they did eight episodes. It's not like they were laughing about doing eight episodes and fast forwarding stuff. Like Kit Harrington wanted to do other stuff. You know, I mean, Amelia Clark wanted to do other stuff. Like they didn't want to keep making just the same show over and over again for another three years. So, and also, um, Peter Dinklage, he had an interview where he said he said that the last two seasons, he said he was he said he was done to be he was happy to be done with Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. He said it was like a burden off his shoulders, a weight off his shoulders. And he was like free from it because it was just such a big part of their lives for so many years. They just wanted to move on. So that's probably why they had to cut it down to eight episodes and really rush that final season. So when you think about it that way, it's a miracle they even pulled it off, I think. Wow, that's a really wow. great point, Anthony. That's a fantastic point. See, but look, guy, I don't get a TikTok clip of that one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think with any production, like it always comes down to just one person. Oh yeah, thing, that's why know? I don't like how everyone blamed the two showrunners. Like they, I think they did the best they could with it's what they had. It's not their money. Yeah, exactly. Dude, with a show that is the biggest show of all time, mm-hmm. like it never just comes down to just two people. No, you way, know, it's yeah. a collective, it's a collective machine. That Absolutely. Just, you know, same thing with uh now. I mean, with uh, Marvel fired Victoria Alonso, and she was apparently like the head of post production. So everyone's just like blaming her for the shitty VFX. Yeah. Like obviously that was a huge part of her job, but like. Kevin Feige's still the president of Marvel Studios, you know? You also have to blame the release dates. Like, they put a release date on a film or a TV show, and, let, and they're like, to the VFS X artists, they're like, okay, have it ready by May 13th. And they just, that's all the time they have. And they have to hit that date. So she's not in charge of when movies are released. So she can't get all the blame. And no a lot way. of it could be Disney, too. Oh, know, yeah. Disney, that's Dis- I think Disney's to blame for the bad visual pro- effects. Probably, because yeah. Disney's probably like, Yo, we need Disney Plus subscribers, so we need like three yeah. to four Marvel shows a year. Yeah, and they don't want to push back movies release dates at mm-hmm. all. They never want to. Like they yeah. pick those. They pick each date's picked for a sp- certain reason. They're trying to avoid competitors. They're trying to avoid other major releases within that two week span, and they pick releases way ahead of schedule for that reason. So they never want to change it, and so they are dead set on that release. Get the movie ready by then. By then, no matter what. Not anymore. Not anymore than, than everything back. Yeah. Things change to coming soon. So Dude, like, Iger came in because now he's the new CEO and he yeah. just like wrecked shop. Yeah. Cleaning up yeah. shop. Cleaning up. I mean, Cleaning Marvel's up. pushed to November. I bet it gets another delay. They're probably who, doing reshoots. Who saw this coming three years ago? Like trouble with Marvel. Isn't that crazy? 
Like it's this nuts, kind of, man. This kind of trouble. Yeah. Nobody saw. Like after Endgame, you're like, oh man. This yeah, is... they're on top of the world. Wow, yeah. they're gonna keep going up. They and can't up, do. Man. They can do no wrong at that point. But now it's like they've stumbled. Reset. A bit. Like they're resetting. It's it's pretty crazy. Nobody saw that coming. I don't. I don't. I don't think Marvel's in such a like. I don't think. I think people really over exaggerate like mm-hmm. where Marvel's at right now. Like I think a lot of people are trying to make it seem like. It's over. <laughs> the world's <laughs> ending. Oh, they have a lot of money still and a yeah. lot of eyeballs on their stuff. Like, James Gunn is about to come out with Guardians 3. And look, if that movie is like an all-time great MCU movie, everyone's going to be back back high on the MCU. That's yeah. going to make a billion easy. That's going to be a big hit for them. Big hit. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. And I love the first two, and there's no way. He's fantastic. a great director, yeah. He works so well in the MCU. Yeah, and and James, honestly, James Gunn probably pioneered like the style that all MCUs kind of follow now. They, yeah, Guardians. All MCU Because then Guardians happened, and then we got Ragnarok's humor change. Exactly. So I think Guardians is a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. And all if you look at all of their projects, like po- po- like with Phase 4 and Phase 5, all of them have been so director-driven compared like to the first three phases, where it's like, you know, Multiverse of Madness is very clearly a Sam Raimi movie, as much as Sam Raimi tried to be Sam Raimi. Um, De- Shang-Chi is a Destin Daniel Cretton film. Eternals is a Chloe Zhao film. Um, so Guardians three, like man, I don't even know how James Gunn is running DC and doing freaking Marvel movie at the same time. <laughs> like what? Feige's pissed. Well, you know? yeah, because that's a good point. Because I would say Iron Man one is probably the most creatively free movie because mm-hmm. Favreau was making it, and they were just like, do what you gotta do. And yeah. it was before they had like the machine formed in the in how they approach filmmaking, and then it became like an automated system in a way. But now I think they're getting back to like you said. Letting the director use their vision and using their style of filmmaking and letting it them do their thing. Mm-hmm. So I think Favreau. Yeah. That's why Iron Man One is so special because of that. Well, I think also the Russos with Winter Soldier. That yeah. was the MC movie yeah. where yeah. I was like, "Holy shit, this yeah. is cool as hell." That yeah. really yeah. was a game changer for that's me. Sick. I love that movie, dude. Yeah, there, anything the Russos do f- with Marvel. <laughs> I, was say, I, was, I was like, <laughs> with Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> With Marvel, with that Marvel, gray man, Woo. yeah, <laughs> and Cherry, Chaos, Chaos Walking. No, that was no, that oh, was Doug Cherry. Lyman. Gotcha, never mind. He, they um, did Cherry with uh with Tom Holland, yeah, and then they did the Gray Man. They like to. I don't think they want to be remembered for those. No, they're making a great verse, Gray Man Universe. They oh, yeah, said they, they announced it. We'll see. You know they're know. gonna push that. I don't know. Netflix man, yeah, Netflix. Money. Well, they're they, doing the Gray Man too. Yeah, they're gonna do it again. Probably more spinoffs, dude. <laughs> we Everything's watched. a verse. <laughs> That's the problem, to... I think, is everything has to be a verse. I was Dude, gonna I hate to find that. some success. It's oh, gonna be man. a verse. Yeah. I hate that. I, I like I think it dilutes what makes like a sing singular film special. Oh, absolutely. We you know like, like now like we look back to a lot of all time classics and like if those classics were made today, they would have sequels. Spin-offs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like all if that. like if for example, if The Matrix just came out. There would be a Matrix verse. Dude, everybody, everybody would have their own movie. And TV Morpheus show. origins, exactly. <laughs> Trinity coding, breaking down the system, <laughs> hacking into the CIA origins. You would definitely get a Morpheus origin story and Trinity oh, yeah. origins. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for spinoffs, I'm excited about the Penguin. I'm very curious yes. about that show, but that's because if they maintain the tone of the Batman. I think it'll be awesome. Plus, Colin Farrell is such a great lead. But I don't want to see Batman in that show at all. I don't want to see his face in person on screen. I'll see like posters or video footage, sure. But I don't think they should put Pattinson in that show at all. I don't think so. Either. I think that will dilute the Batman. I think that, like that will take away from the, the movie. Mm-hmm. If uh, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I don't think Batman is a character that needs to be in that show. Yeah, you yeah, already exactly. have Colin Farrell, who's just coming off of a Best Actor nomination. Like. Yeah. They don't need Batman. And just let, let him be a mobster. He's a mobster. Let him, let him mobster it up. He was so great in the Batman. Yeah. Where it's like, 
after the Batman, his character was in such a great position to get his own spinoff. Now oh, that yeah. there's kind of like the like a suction of power throughout the city of Gotham, and now he's like kind of rising up. I was I was expecting them to pick Mister Freeze as the villain because the city was flooded. Well, we still don't know who the main villain of the that's Batman true. is. Yeah, that's true. We don't know. I think I mean because we city's... don't even know if Joker's gonna be the main villain. Yeah. yeah. Since the city's flooded, I mean, it seems like it's prime for Mister Freeze to Dude, yeah. do some damage. That's a good if point. he can, if the the scientist can develop some kind of technology to quick freeze liquids like water, then he could do a lot of damage to the city immediately. But I wonder if that'd be too hard to do practically, or in like in terms of visual effects. Bro, they made fucking Avatar. No, but they don't. That's not the kind of. That's not the Batman is. Even though there's a well, amount of visual effects and they use the volume yeah, a lot. Right, yeah. If they're doing Clayface, like Clayface is an entire CGI monster. Yeah. So like, doing Clayface seems more far fetched than doing someone like Mister Freeze because he's still a very grounded villain in terms of his origin, and like just who he is, the way he, like he fights. Um, but yeah, Clayface is a, a villain I didn't really expect Matt, Matt Reeves to touch. Cause... Is he like Sandman? He can kind of morph into anything he wants, basically. Yeah, yeah, he's like a big, like he's like a giant. When he turns into someone, monster. does he does he still look like Clay though? No, no, no. He looks exactly like them. like he like perfect transformation. Yeah, interesting. Oh, no way. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That's pretty badass. Hmm. Interesting. That sounds interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all bored for whatever Matt Reeves comes up with though. Yeah. Sign me the yeah, hell up. Yeah, yeah. As long as Matt Reeves is in charge. Anthony just wants to see Arnold be Mr. Freeze again. I love Arnold. It's gonna be a freeze. freeze. That it's movie is a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I love it. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, seriously though, like uh, Poison Ivy. When I saw Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, and I was like nine years old. I was like, oh my god. That's when Anthony Ooh. became a man. Whoa, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, oh, she, yeah. I love those. Those movies were so like they're kids' movies. Yeah, they're they're, they're so like yeah. cheesy. Campy. I mean, Batman had a Mastercard. It was the Bat Bro, card. Bat nipples. Yeah, the Bat nipples. <laughs> Dude, Jim Carrey's the Riddler was iconic. I don't care great. what everyone says. Yo, yeah, he was great. He was fantastic. Was Tom, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, Tommy yeah, Jones. Two face. Yeah, yeah. that was Oof. fun. Nicole Kidman. They're shooting shots, man. Yeah, it's good. It was, they were. I really liked them as as a yeah, kid. We too. really loved them too. Yeah. Actually, awesome. you guys know that there was plans for another Batman movie that never got made. But it was gonna bring back all of the villains. Whoa! From it, those from uh, those films? Yeah, I think Scarecrow was gonna be the villain, and mm -hmm. there was gonna be a dream sequence where Batman gets sprayed by the his gas, and in his, this like fear sequence, he sees all of his previous villains. So like Jack Nicholson's Joker, Danny DeVito's Penguin, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Jim Carrey. That's sick. Yeah, that would have been sick. And they would have brought them. All, they would have brought them all back for like a scene where it's like a fear sequence, where it's like they're not actually there. Yeah, it's just Batman inhaling this like fear toxin for the first it's time. It's like a rogues gallery team yeah. up. That's crazy. Would have been wild. would have been George Clooney as Batman. Um, I think he was the last one in that. Val, yeah, like, Val Kilmer was the last one. I thought it was. I thought it was Keaton Kilmer and then Clooney. Yeah, Clooney. Clooney was the last one. Yeah, Clooney. Yeah, last you're one. right. Bat, well, so Batman and Robin, I think, was the last one. Yeah, before, Bat nipples. before Batman begins. And so Batman and Robin was clear. Robin yeah. was a uh, <laughs> carnival jouster or aerobatics guy. Yeah. And he did laundry with kung fu kicks. Kung fu laundry. <laughs> kung fu laundry. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Oh, yeah. man. You know, uh, Christian Bale almost got that role as Robin. Really? Yeah, he was uh, number two. Chris O'Donnell ended up getting cast. Dude, Thank no, God. actually, uh, who was it? Marlon Wayans. Oh, was he up for it? He was another person that was in the running for Yeah, he was big in the 90s. Marlon Wayans was really big in the 90s. He's yeah. in air. Yep. Yeah, he's in air. Yep. Man. But Christian Bale, like, he almost, he also was up for Anakin Skywalker. 
Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So Anakin Skywalker, Lucas went with Hayden Christensen because he liked the way that he and Natalie Portman look together. He said they look cute together. They do. Yeah. They do look very cute yeah. together. So that's why he picked Hayden. I think one of my favorite memes of the year, though, was uh, the scene in, in episode two where she sees Annie for the first time since, and she goes, <laughs> Annie, you why well, how you've grown and like someone superimposed Anakin walking. He's like boom, boom, boom. He's like he's like thirty feet Giant. tall walking onto screen. Oh my god, that's so funny. Annie, you've grown. Hi, Padme. That movie's Attack of the Clones is so bad because they're just like having picnics while Obi Wan is like actually doing stuff. Mm-hmm. He's such a badass. It's a movie. love story. <laughs> I'm a fan of the prequels. I grew up on the prequels. Same yeah, we grew up on the prequels. Like yeah. I can I can acknowledge their mistakes for sure, but yeah. like they're kind of like just. I grew up with them. They're great, man. Yeah. Fucking Phantom Menace is awesome. Revenge of the Sith. We had, we, we had the epic. pod racing game. Yeah, the pod dude. racing game was sick on PlayStation. N64. 64 yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a wild game. That was a good one. <laughs> Clone Wars. I don't know if you guys watch Clone Wars. Haven't gotten into no, it. No, never. Yeah. Been recommended. A, a lot, lot of people who like our show like Clone Wars for sure. Because we were nine when Phantom Menace came out. Oh, no. It was 97? Or 99. 99. Oh, wait, so we were nine yeah. when it came out. So we were like perfect Prime. age for Star Wars, Prime man. Age. We got what, really what do you guys think about like the state of Star Wars right now? I think that they've made some good decisions recently where they hired Steven Knight to yeah. write the next movie. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that recently. He He's a great writer. He, did, he does Peaky Blinders, Locke. He's done a bunch of good movies. So he's a terrific writer because they, they got rid of Damon Lindelof, who was supposedly developing a Star Wars trilogy for like the last several years. They's, they've canned him. So now Steven Knight's coming in and apparently they're going to, the rumor is they're going to announce a new Star Wars trilogy for theaters because they need to come out with the movie soon. But having Steven Knight a really great writer yeah. write your star wars movies and like get a, a one singular direction for the trilogy rather than writer here different directors every time you make a movie i think that's a really good decision i think they needed to do something like that yeah i think they need to hit theatrical releases like in a big way again and make it feel like it's special to see a star wars film again and then i think just don't approach the skywalker saga anymore nope. i think just Move on. Something new. You can tell. You can still get Jedi in there. You can still get Sith in there. But let's just get completely new characters and completely new story arc, a new conflict, unrelated to the Skywalker saga. I think that's the best way to go because people will still go. In you know, we've gotten enough. We've gotten plenty of Skywalker stuff. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to see these characters again. I think just get us new characters and new stories. That's what will get me excited. The world is so like interesting too like people fell in love with the world of star wars that like i think in order for the brand to survive long term like you have to cut off those umbilical cords that they have that they keep kind of going back to which is the skywalker saga like again give us a movie that's set like 500 years before everything else why not why not like the sith and the jedi the jedi knight are actually like an order order um or like take us all the way to the future beyond the sequel trilogy like yeah they they they, they, they have like do. thousands of years to work with, so they're, they're just, too scared of taking risks. They yeah. want to just make. I think they will now. They will be now. Yeah, yeah, they will be now. If no, you throw see... a lightsaber in the trailer, people are gonna go see it. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. Light a lightsaber up, people will see it. Stephen Knight is a huge pickup for them. Yeah, yeah. I think that was. Huge we love news. Peaky Blinders, mm-hmm. and he uh, creates and show runs that show, and he's just a fantastic writer. It's so good. Oh, uh, awesome did that show end? Yes, they're gonna make a. They're in pre-production of a film now. For four Peaky Blinders? Yeah, so they finished wow. They finished the season six. The season uh, finale was a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the film will pick up from where that left off. Dude, that's yeah. ballsy. I love that. Yeah, Killian's about to blow up, man. Dude, Killian. Killian's going to blow up, man. I, I hope he gets an Oscar for Oppenheimer. From what 
Matt Damon said about he said that it he was absolutely incredible in the yeah. film and for and he looked like Matt Damon would like look so excited for Killian mm-hmm. like you could tell like oh he's great in this role I can't wait I'm very excited for Oppenheimer we've been very big Killian fans since what 28 days later in yeah. 2002 2003 that was a great film and then since then being in a bunch of Nolan films like just yeah. crushing it but he's never had for his moment he's never had the big leading role 28 days later was a lead but it didn't blow him up obviously people in the uk know him he has some lead roles in some uk productions but he hasn't blown up in hollywood as a lead actor he's always been a supporting Peaky actor did now he's recognizable but yeah, he's yeah, never true, been a recognizable true, guy like true, exactly but i'm talking about in terms of film yeah as a lead actor in film Oppenheimer is the big one for him, so I can't wait for it. I think he's got so much in him that mm-hmm. audiences haven't seen, and he's just going to let it out, I think. Yeah, no, it's nice because he's been Nolan's like right-hand guy yeah, for like so just like many Michael, Yeah, Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Always having him he's, there he's for a little begin, bit. Batman Begins, Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar. He's in Dark Knight. Inception. He's in Dark Knight. Dark Knight? Does he have a little cameo? Yeah, in the party. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the opening. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Uh, That's not well, him. Inception, um, Dunkirk, mm-hmm. then obviously Oppenheimer. And he's been in anything else? So that's six, it. six yeah. of Nolan's six. movies. Yeah, that's, six, that's six of nine. Crazy. It's pretty good. It's a lot. It's pretty good. All right. Well, I think this episode's been pretty good. Wow, it's pretty. Yeah, that was a long one. Yeah, like yeah. Two and a half hours in almost. Whoa. Damn. How about, how about we wrap it up, boys? <laughs> Let's wrap do it, it bro. Soups, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's so great to finally get you in the studio. Hope you enjoyed it. Tell everyone where they can find you. Well, thank you guys for having me. This has been so great. Like, I feel like we. I feel like we just started, man. Yeah, no, like, I can keep going. <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys can check me out on TikTok at Soups and then YouTube Soups and then on Twitter and Instagram at The Real Soups because there's an imposter out there. That fucking imposter. <laughs> Fuck it's <an> me. Imposter. <laughs> it's Anthony. <laughs> it's his burner. <laughs> again, thanks so much. This was a blast. We'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Maybe oh, yeah. like after June, we can talk about all those movies Dude. and those new releases. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah that'd be yeah. a blast. And then again, Hope you have a great day. Thanks again. Everyone, you can follow us, you know, everywhere, but become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. It is the very best way to support our show. We have tiers at $2, $5, $10, $25, and $100 tiers. Every patron gets access to our weekly chat, which is now exclusively on Patreon, as well as a weekly bonus episode. But don't forget to check out all those awesome other perks you get in those tiers. You support the show so much. You help us keep the lights on. And you allow Anthony to get his Trader Joe's every week. So thank you, Patreon, so much for your support. Soups, Matt, thank you so much, pal. Take care, bro. Thank you, See you next time. This episode was executive produced by our Chosen One patrons, Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Becca Keen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy Griggs, Nicholas Martin, Darian Singleton, Tyler McFly, Andrew Hagen. Our Chosen One patrons are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much.